hey everybody and their grandma. Welcome to episode 126 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by patron support. If you want to learn more about becoming a patron of the show, go to www.cam, patreon.com. <laughs> Don't go to www.com. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. Go to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. Check it out there. All right, let's get into this show, this week's show. I've already messed up enough, haven't I? All right, all right, all right. I'm making myself crack up here, and I, I shouldn't be. My guest has no idea why I'm laughing is because I'm being an idiot. But yes, on the phone tonight, we have a super, super good friend of the show, of me personally, actually. Uh, it's one of my childhood friends, and he's been up to some crazy stuff over the last few years. So we're going to kind of chill through this episode. Of course, we'll get to some two-wheel stuff, but we're going to go back in time. So for everybody that's ever wondered about my life, and uh, if I'm really 137, like I really say, this guy can vouch for it. <laughs> he knows it's true. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to let him introduce myself. Guest, who do we have on the line tonight? Hey guys, I go by the Yeti. Uh, my name's John. That's my given name, and I've been friends with Larry for shoot what 115 of those years, dude. At least 115. <laughs> yeah, it's been some good times. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So, where are you coming to us from tonight? You know what? I'm located at headquarters in Iowa currently. So nice. How's, how's the weather much, there? Ah, it's beautiful. Really? as we speak but you know give it 15 minutes and it can change <laughs> i know <laughs> the funny thing is cali is usually the opposite it's usually you know between 75 and 85 and this week like the last two three days it's been raining and last week on last week's show when we did it it had also been raining for like three days straight so what the hell you guys sent your weather our way and now i'm pissed i, I did go riding but i'm still pissed <laughs> so, oh that's rad you need the rain out that way you know what i know it, it, it's like two years ago it rained for two days and they're like droughts over and I was scratching my head going are you guys sure about that and then yeah turns out well yeah, yeah so you're in SoCal so it's in the moment lifestyle so the drought was over yeah at that moment I know they were just like yeah dude it's totally over let's, let's party and it's funny because I don't think NorCal has those problems NorCal Oregon, all those places they are constantly wet you know usually and uh, so yeah I don't know if they I love watching YouTube videos of people in like uh, Santa Cruz or like north, you know, like north of uh, San Francisco and they just have their water running. And I'm like, you guys are jerks. <laughs> like, <laughs> turn your water off in your videos. Us down here where it's like a desert. Um, no so, doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So uh, let's do this. Let's do like a quick, let's jump in a time machine here in a second. But before we do that, what are you doing out in uh, Iowa? So we just recently. Opened up a little shop, you know, no storefront, no, no, uh, kind of customer base type thing, but with the intention to build the ultimate dream rigs. So we found a little service station, you know, it's probably damn near a hundred years old. It's been vacant for 
I think something like 10 years. And I probably went by it when, to I, it when I was like 20 years old. I probably passed right by it. <laughs> yeah, it's off the 80, so you might have. <laughs> when I was coming west on a wagon have. train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we found a, a little place to hide away and, and build some awesome stuff. Nice. That's rad. And you know, the Ultimate Adventure trailer, we'll get to that in a little bit because uh, when we go back in our time machine, we won't have got there yet. But I do have to say, I've seen this Ultimate Adventure trailer, I think, a couple few years ago, at least a prototype of it. And this thing was mind-blowing. Um, as if, as anybody knows on the show that's listened to the past 126 episodes, which is you know a f- couple years worth, I've only mentioned a few times that I like to tinker with metal here and there, and you and I kind of got our start in that, you know, back when, well, I got it back when blacksmithing was still a thing. You uh, you came along a little <laughs> later and helped me learn the, the modern skills. But um, this thing is like a metal shaper's dream and just like a fabricator's ultimate, you know, like just, it's crazy. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But let's go back in time, man. Let's, let's cruise back. Oh, let's only go back about 60 years <laughs> to when, when we... Buckle up. Yeah, buckle up, baby. <laughs> um, let's ride nuts to butts because my time machine is a motorcycle. So let's ride nuts to butts back through time um, into like the 90s, I guess, right? We, we, mm-hmm. You were actually my, my younger brother's really good friend, and he always hated me as, you know kids do like when somebody comes in and like hey that's my friend don't hang out with them okay dude right (laughs) but then it ended up that we all kind of just like ended up hanging out and then you and i would like bump into each other throughout the rest of our adult lives here and there and um yeah when we were kids i think let me think i worked at a uh what I, i don't think i think i was out of high school and you were working um, shoot, you've done everything under the sun, by the way. I mean, I know now that you're, you've got a service station in Iowa that you're building the world's most fabulous adventure trailers out of, but at one time you were a short order cook. You were, mm. I mean, I don't, did you shoe horses? Is there anything you haven't done? Let's do, let's check off that list. It's probably shorter than. Yeah. It's easier to list of things I haven't done than I have. For yeah. Sure. And, uh, a little bit of everything, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it really is one of those things that, A, at that age, I couldn't afford the things I wanted. And, and believe it or not, food was one of those things at one point. So I knew if I got a job at a restaurant, I was going to eat steady, right? Right. And uh, <laughs> Smart. You know, <laughs> welding, fabrication, stuff like that. I got a job pushing a broom and washing cars at a body shop because I had never even lifted up a screwdriver or a hammer at that point. So it's right. kind of, looking back, it really makes me think about... Uh, how I went about creating the life I have now through self-education or, or throwing myself into situations so that I have to adapt and learn. So, Right. And you, and you and I, back in those days, you were, you were a short order cook in a little mountain town, uh, just outside, <laughs> well, not just outside, but quite a ways outside San Diego. And I didn't know it then, but it's like a motorcycle destination now. And like, you know, people ride past all those little towns now because it's Americana. And back in the day we were living the dream. You were working all night. I think you got me a job up there after I mooched off you guys, you know, you guys let me crash at your pad for like eight months or six. It felt like eight months. It was probably three months, but you know, back when you're a kid doing all this crazy stuff. And finally you got me a little job up there and me and our buddy, um, the big one, we'll call him, uh, we lived together up there and you guys graciously let me, uh, you know, stay with you guys. 
And um, I don't think I paid a lick of rent, which was the best. Like, that's the greatest thing about being a young kid is, like, nobody's paying attention to what's going on. And as long as you don't make too much of a peep, you can do that sort of stuff. And uh, you would get off work. I would get off work, and then we would go terrorize this town most of the time on two wheels because you were you were kind of big into BMX back then, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, most of the time was on a bicycle, man, and it's uh, that's a pretty accurate description. Except for the part where you said you didn't do anything, we had to have eye candy around the house. So in a way, it was a give and take, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did do a lot of stripping and uh, a lot of compromising. Yeah, I I did do that. I forgot about that. But um but yeah, we we would terrorize. We'd go out and ride and it would snow up there and we'd be mm-hmm. out falling down on black ice. We didn't know anything, you know, we were so dumb. And uh I remember we stole some tree forts from some kids that lived up there and took them for our own and we did all sorts of cool yet cruel stuff to the uh <laughs> to everybody that lived up there. So that was that was oh, fun man. times. Hell yeah, that was good times. So it's bringing me back now. This time machine thing's fun. Yeah, I know. And it's not too bad being nuts to butts because actually I'm remembering also one time when you and I went to – God, what did we do? Oh, you had a um, – we worked – after after the short order cook thing, you moved back to town and I stayed up there for a little bit and then I moved back as well. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And then you were living with our buddy um, – and we actually kind of started, and then you, I, I was working, I forget what you were doing. You were, you, that's when you were do, moved into the body shop stuff, I think. Yeah, I think so. Going back down to town was just that. I think I'd spent enough time up in the mountains and uh, as fun as it was up there, I felt like kind of trapped, right? We did all, I think we, all we really did have was bicycles at that point. Yeah. And uh, I think it was after like my second ride to the beach from that mountain town, which was tremendous. Uh, I decided it was time to find something motorized and that required a, uh, a jobby job. Yeah, I know. And that was our thing is that, yeah, we did own the mountain and yeah, everything was great. But at the same time, uh, you know, you're right. We didn't have a way to get down to town and all of our buddies that did, we were just like super stoked, you know? And so, um, yeah, when you, when you came down here, I also came down and I think I was working at a shoe store, like Ed, what's his name? Not, I almost said Ted Bundy, Al Bundy. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I was doing the Al Bundy crap and you had already started doing the fun stuff, working with people. Um, I think you worked at a hot rod shop then too. Um, yeah, bounced around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. What was, you the, know, name, like a, what like was a, the name of that hot rod shop? At that time, it was like R&R restyling or something like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah remember. I'm trying to remember. I, just, I remember they had some of the raddest cars in there, but yeah, I couldn't remember what it was called. And we lived in uh, East San Diego County, which was, is basically, for SoCal, like the motocross and desert dude, like mm-hmm. all those guys live out there, or the hot rod guys. So it was we were surrounded by that stuff. And so yeah. we had friends, like you know my old neighbor that actually was the very first motorcycle I rode because he had a whole barn full of them. Um and yeah, so you came back. You got me a job. Uh, I was a behavioral counselor at the time, keeping people from killing me and themselves. And it was ta- it was a taxing job. I felt like I had worked there for ten years, but I think I was only in that field for like half of that time. And you yeah, uh, you rescued me, man. You brought me into the body shop world, and I was like, oh my god, these people are still like crazy and uh, try to kill you, but at least the you make better money. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's rad when you think that uh, going into the body shop 
you know, or you got crusty old dudes that are still hanging on to the seventies and eighties, you oh, know, it's that yeah. dinosaur mindset. It That's a safer rad. place than your, your job before. Yeah. You were, I mean, honestly, you were battered. You're like a beaten pup and you needed out of that behavioral counseling. Yeah. Job. And then I got into these, uh, you know, the body shop dudes and I was like, Oh boy, here we go again. Like, yeah, I think the owners made jokes about that too. And, um, the guys we work for oddly enough were like huge, uh, motorcycle guys, like old vintage trials mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. Matt had uh, his dad had like old BMWs that he restored or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we were we were so fortunate to be surrounded by all that stuff. Um, yeah. And then after that, after getting our asses chewed out because like we would take uh, our friends' cars in there and like. Uh, work on them and get them ready for the autocross or drag racing. Like whenever, <laughs> whenever nobody was looking, they're like, "Are you using shop supplies on your own shit?" We're like, "Uh oh," and uh, uh, yeah, the time of time of my very first uh, motorcycle restoration done on on break and lunch on their supplies. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's I know. ridiculous. I know, and uh, and yeah, that was uh, was that a Virago that you did or something like that. Uh, you know what? My first real restoration was a little GS 450, mm. like the little S model, oh, a little right. cow, and, and you know, bitch and little bike. And it was something I think I paid like 450 bucks off of when Auto Trader was a thing, you know? You mean back when we used to actually have to read a book to buy a, a car or motorcycle? <laughs> well, no, that's a that's a beautiful thing about it. Is all I had to do is look at the pictures and yeah, <laughs> decide uh, yeah. if it was of value or not. I, you didn't I even, still can't cipher. I was going to say you didn't need to be able to read still. And yeah, just the no. pretty pictures. But yeah, this is this is the days before like you know eBay and stuff. I'm sure it was there, but yeah. who had the internet? Like we barely had the internet yeah. at work, you know. Yeah, I don't know if eBay was even around at that time. It's man. so funny because that's like, yeah, we were right that's at that early. point. Yeah, we were right at that mm-hmm. point where things started to change. I know some of my friends had the internet, but I don't. I didn't have it for uh, a yeah. while. Yeah, the internet was there. You know, it was on the cusp of like the connective age, right? Where uh, it wasn't everything was print still, but like you just fast forward a few years, and the availability of things was massive. Yeah, yeah, and it. I like I don't know I know businesses obviously we had it at work because we were sending mm-hmm. stuff back and forth to other companies but we were still getting faxes and shit yeah it was it was mm-hmm. interesting and mm-hmm. uh I think part of the fun that we had was because we didn't know you couldn't just sit around and we had to go do stuff and mm-hmm. uh both of us at that time were barely I mean you had that motorcycle but we all had like something or other I actually you helped me score my first um, motorcycle that I actually owned and didn't have to like mooch off my neighbor, which was that freaking XR250 that somebody found oh, in a ditch. Oh my Do you gosh. remember that thing? Legit found in a, a drainage <laughs> ditch with like Oregon license plates on it. It was yeah. one of those. Oh, I, I drove by, circled back, drove by again, felt super sketchy, decided, well, I'm kind of rescuing it, right? Put it in the back of the truck and and take it down and and run the plates, make sure it's legit, kind of thing. Yeah, we had oh a buddy. God. We had a buddy that worked at a motorcycle dealership, and yeah, he ran the plates, mm-hmm. and he's like, "It's not stolen." So we're like, "Well, okay, I guess." <laughs> and I think I bought it for like twenty five dollars off of uh, the kid that was like, well, you know, the owner's son that could afford any dirt bike he wanted had that stupid <laughs> thing." And I was like, "Dude, let me have it." I, and then you had a RM one twenty five, I think, right at that time. 
Yeah, you know what? At that point, like, circle back to the uh, Matt and Greg, the owners of that body shop. We were fortunate, like you were saying, that we were around that caliber of dude, right? In in the industry, they're ex-pro riders, like trials bike guys and Mako Bull Taco dudes and all the other cool stuff like Norton's. But the reality of it is I don't think we realize what we were around at the time besides it was just really badass. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I didn't, you know, looking up at above the parts room was Mm -hmm. like a 25 bull tacos, pristine and Montessas and all sorts of stuff and Makos. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, looking back going, I I mean, I knew I liked bull tacos and stuff, but now going, oh my God, he probably had like $50,000 worth of Mm -hmm. bikes up there by, you know, by today's money. And yeah, Mm -hmm. they had ridden all of them, you know what I'm saying? And they were good riders and and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was was amazing amazing group of dudes and all of the, um, well, most of the body men and the, um, other, you know, the other, uh, estimators and stuff like that, they all rode, even though they were into, had, you know, even though they were like laid back, one dude rode a lot of sport bikes and, um, you know, ended up wadding his up at the end, but he was the first RC 51 I ever saw, you know, he got that thing. Oh yeah. I remember that. And then the other guy took us, me and you, to Glen Helen, and he was like, dude, come mm. on, enter this race. And you took your Suzuki out there, like, yeah. borrowed shit. I think you borrowed gear for that or something. <laughs> yeah, I borrowed boots, uh, a helmet, the retired stuff, too. It's a super old generation stuff. Yeah, you were out there like, on an 80s Bell helmet or something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that, you know what? I just found like the little plaque from that, and that was like the Vintage Iron World Championship oh, in yeah. 2001. You know, some ridiculous thing, and and it's like I I had just purchased that Suzuki, that little RM, and it was like a race prepped uh, Evo class bike. You know, yeah, air cooled uh, dual rear shock type bike, really bitching. You know, and now I look back at it, and I was like, oh crap! I I had one of those. You know, I'm working an okay job at the body shop making okay money to live on your own as a bachelor, but making payments like a personal payment deal to the guy that just restored the bike. And I think it was, I ripped it up and down the back parking lot a couple of times and then I enter a race. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I know that's the funny, cause like, that's the thing. And you and I had gone out to, uh, you know, like a little bit more rural spot out by my grandma's house mm-hmm. where the, their, their roads are still dirt. And we were ripping up and down there, no helmets, you know what I'm saying? We were so dumb. Like, looking back on it now, I was like, what was I doing? And, uh, yeah, I I learned how to do a wheelie that day, like, through a a fence. But uh, I had my first legit crash with you. And we were – I didn't know how motorcycle counter-steering worked. So on the dirt, I was Mm -hmm. fine because I had ridden – you know, like, you and I kind of grew up on bicycles our whole life. And but on the street, I was like, man, this thing handles weird. And then uh, luckily, I didn't like wad it up or like low side it or something, you know. And uh, <laughs> God, that XR I, it was supposed to have a kickstart. Somebody robbed the front brake off of it, so it didn't even have a front brake. All I had was the shitty rear drum brake. <laughs> and, so uh, perfect. And that thing was so clapped oh. out too. So even at its best, that rear brake would have been sketchy. But yeah, I, it was questionable all the way around. Yeah, I mean, we found it in a ditch for Pete's sake, and then I'm out here ripping. <laughs> on it and then you were you were you would go by me or you'd blow me away like out of the hole uh on your little 125 because it was a two-stroke and then i'd just start ripping and who knows how fast we were going because i didn't have speedometers we were probably doing 80 miles an hour with no helmets down this thing because i you know couldn't see anymore my eyes are like blurry and i'm like yeah i'm gonna pass him and i finally passed you because mine was a four-stroke and it had the top end or whatever but what a bunch of dummies right <laughs> like i can't believe we did yeah, this yeah. 
we were inches from ripping, you know, in, in back into time from that point on yeah. that little XR and 125. Yeah, yeah. We were, like, we were doing 87 and a half miles an hour. <laughs> and then, yeah, and to go from that to like, yeah, I'll go race Glen Helen. <laughs> like that. uh, that's called jumping in the deep end and not even realizing it. Right. You know. That yeah. was such a fun race to watch, though, too. Like, uh-huh. you know, my my stupid bike, the oil plug was, like, stripped, and so I had to fill it up with oil every time we went riding. No front brake. <laughs> you know, it was, it was I red. forgot all about this. That's what makes it so yeah. <laughs> such a good story. No kickstand. <laughs> no, yeah, no kickstand, and I think it was supposed to have a kickstarter, and it didn't. So you would kickstart yours and take off, and I'd have to run behind you and, like, bump it and, like, follow you. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a mess, dude. And then... And, uh, yeah. yeah, I ended up stealing the rear shock off of that thing to try and make a Formula V, which obviously when you've got like, when you're a young kid and you've got big ideas and a girlfriend, like that does not happen. So <laughs> I did not make a, oh, a zero roll rear end for a Formula V out of that thing, but. Uh, you were damn close though. Dude, damn yeah. Close. You I, had I, one I, coil over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh yeah, that thing was so much fun, but it was rad watching you know, watching you go around and do that stuff. And then like right after that, we again did one of those weird things where like I forget where you went, but we quit working at the same spot. But you did teach me to weld. You caught me on fire by throwing uh <laughs> I think you threw an ether filled rag under me when the sparks were flying off the whatever you were trying to teach me to weld on. And caught oh, my man. caught my flannel fucking. I was wear I, I might as well have been wearing full flannel onesie for Pete's sake because I just I went up in flames <laughs> yeah. and I was like the next thing I know I'm getting tackled by like four grown men and you're like oh shit I didn't know he was gonna catch on fire you know and, uh, and uh, it's perfect it's like it's like taking a big lighter to your sock at night right it just kind of the flame danced around yeah. your ass it was amazing Dude, it was rad yeah it was amazing you were describing it to me later and I was like holy shit. So yeah, you taught Perfect. me how to weld. You you did a whole bunch of restoration shit, and you had like so many rad cars when we worked there. And then, uh, yeah, fast forward to after that, you went and worked at a place where you were restoring shit, and I think you learned how to do metal fab, like proper metal fab. Uh, after that, right at your next job. Yeah, you know that was a game changer for me because I did go from like I worked my way from literally pushing that broom and detailing the cars to like production manager type position right in the body shop and through those a handful of years of doing that i immediately realized as much as i love like the collision industry and the skills and all the things that go along with it it really didn't fit like that same mindset i had that i talked about earlier of man i want some bitching cars or i want to i want a badass truck or i want a restored bike or whatever fill in the blank was so I downplayed my experience and went and applied as a like a shop helper at a, a hot rod shop just so that I can get my foot in the door and then you know kick it in high gear and, and learn the metal fab and learn the custom paint and learn all these uh, little tips and tricks that would play into my life later. So I met I met a cat there named uh, Wayne and he was from I think New Zealand and that dude is just an amazing. Uh, metal shaper right old school and that was that was it for me I, I i latched on and just and ran with it ever since then yeah and i remember you telling me that he would always say listen mate or whatever however they say it in, mm. in uh, new zealand 
we don't, identical. Yeah, identical. good, great. I sound just like him, right? <laughs> he, I remember you would you would always tell me, man, I need to go to the junkyard and get like a reciprocating motor from like an old drill or some some weird shit. And I was like, what? And you're like, yeah. Well, he told me in us in New Zealand since ever since like the 70s or whatever, they didn't import a whole bunch of stuff over there. There was that whole like trade thing going on where like they weren't importing and, and the tariffs were way too high to import. And so he had to make everything. So he was teaching you how to make mm-hmm. like planishing hammers and like all sorts of weird yeah. stuff out of scrap, right? Yeah, straight up way before like the super accessible harbor freight type crap that, you know, is usable and can get the job done. It was back when like a punishing hammer or English wheel or any of these shaping things were really exotic and rare, right? Like it was special to have those things and, and be able to use them. So he would do just that. He would he would teach me to repurpose everything. And we had some of the best times building the tools to build the stuff that was awesome, right? Right. And like learning the skills to make something from scratch now mm-hmm. when you when you need it. Yeah, I loved like mm-hmm. you telling me about that guy and I was like, "No kidding." And you guys were you would do everything from like hot rods to RVs cuz you could you could, mm-hmm. you know, RV is just a flat panel around a frame and a hot rod can be like so much in- intricacy. And yeah, you guys were doing it all. And uh th- was he the guy that taught you to paint as well because you're an excellent painter. People will get into all this, but uh, like what you're known for and what you're actually capable of are two different things, you know? Ah, fair enough. Yeah. You know, he, if, if, when it comes to the painting part, that was something that was out of his wheelhouse. But what was special about him was he was always there to push me to, to do more. He, he put more than I thought I was capable on my plate as far as a job doing, uh, just a refinish and paint type thing on something he would, always support me and say that I'm more than capable to do that and watch and help me grow through that process to the point where then I grew into the person that could actually do it, you know? Rad. It's always nice to have a a mentor that's actually valuable mm -hmm. and not just like, Mm -hmm. not just like saying, Hey, go down this path, but like, dude, I know you can do this and I'm going to watch you do it. And then Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to do it. And it's like rad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I owe a great, a great deal to that cat. He's just a really cool cool dude and one of those guys that just with like how you mentioned his mindset and where he uh grew up and and learned his skill set understood the value of that and then understood that if he passed that on the best he could that it would live on right so yeah yeah i i think about that dude regularly for sure right you think he's still kicking around like making weird tools he was basically like burt monroe like burt monroe was also either i think he was a kiwi and he raised the mm-hmm. world's fastest Indian with stuff that he literally made from er- anything he can get his hands on, you know? Like I, I, Yeah, he's still kicking around, man. I talked to him about a month ago. So no he touches kidding. in, he, he follows like the social media part of my life and and uh, he's just, he's killing it. That's a whole nother conversation of where he grew and what he grew into. It's pretty right. incredible. Yeah, someday me so. and you'll have to sit down over some suds mm-hmm. and talk about that. Yeah, man. Fast forward yeah. to uh, a few years after that, I I took over your job. You, uh, you know, let's face it, nobody nobody lasts anywhere forever. So especially you, like you've done so much stuff. You're like, hey, I could do this now. I feel like you're the type of guy that once you master something or at least get a good enough grasp on it that you're like, I'm, I've got this. You are mm-hmm. ready to hit the next thing, you know? Um, I th- I feel like, uh, well, A, I'm a high school dropout. I have a ninth grade education. And 
what I learned was, or at least my mindset is learn the things that will enable you to do like build the foundation for your dreams. Right. So it'd be like, Hey, I wanted to learn how to fab or repair a car or paint or, you know, fill in the blank there. It then opens the door for the next thing and and your dreams grow and, and you grow as a person, life evolves. It's crazy, but that mindset has created opportunities beyond anything I could dream of as a, a 20 year old little punk, you know, yeah. swinging bongo. <laughs> yeah, on a Honda yeah. Civic. I know. And you know, and back then like that seemed that some of the, times like that seemed even being the stupid like parts guy for me sometimes felt like the hardest job in the world just be and it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily that it was it's just the people you surround yourself with the things you Mm -hmm. get caught up doing the cycles that you get in and yeah like having said that some of the world's you know smartest and most uh groundbreaking and innovative people and and entrepreneurs uh Mm -hmm. were all you know most of them high school dropouts and it's so crazy that you just have that spark that they had and, and you're, you followed that same sort of path. And it's also funny for me looking back going, I was always worried about where am I going to, you know, am I going to have a roommate? Am I, cause, cause I moved out very young too. And, um, mm-hmm. I was lucky to, uh, Hey, what's up? My co-host just, uh, walked in. Oh, my dog's assaulting him. Uh, every show, I think every dog at every podcast assaults this poor guy. But uh, yeah, I was the same thing where it's like, I want to make sure I have something to eat and a a place to live and a car to drive, which I wanted to point out too, that I think you've sold me my first like two or three cars, which is kind of funny. (laughs) And and so that... um, that was that's one thing, but it, that's what I was worried about. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And the thing is, is that you you figured it out. Like you figured out, I'm not going to die today. I've got a place to stay, and I'm just going to do this thing. And it ended up, you know, moving on to it was like a stepping stone, you know. And you're you just kept going mm-hmm. up the ladder uh, to every other damn thing that you ended up doing. So uh, it's really interesting just to hear you say that and then see like, yeah, it actually happened. And you didn't not <laughs> like, what am I trying to say? You didn't, uh, end up in a ditch or on a park bench somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like you somehow, <laughs> not yet at least. When, yeah, not I know. Yet at least. Hey, maybe you, you haven't tried that one yet. So maybe you just try that. Uh, a bit you'd be maybe. surprised. <laughs> I've, I have, I've totally been homeless. So yeah, well, hey, we all have, man. Um, so yeah, man, fast forward. Because the, then I, did, I haven't seen you for a little bit, but we've touched um, touch base here and there. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we stay in touch mm-hmm. here and there. And the last time I saw you, you were getting into, you weren't doing so much the two-wheel stuff, but you were getting into uh, like off-roading and stuff like that. And And our buddy that we mentioned earlier you and him had hung out and he was an arena cross dude back in the day. And he's always been into two wheels. And I know that you guys are doing some two wheel stuff, but not like full bore, like you're doing what you're doing now. So, and, um, I think you were making like furniture out of old Ford tailgates and stuff. So, I mean, you were doing some crazy (laughs) fabrication stuff then. And I think that was the the stepping stone. I think you melded the two worlds together so what are you doing now? Like, what have you been doing for the last 10 years? Dude, in the last 10 years, honestly, it feels like I've lived a thousand lives. It's, it, it would be insane to try to, to walk anybody through that because it's just like you were saying, involved and involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I was talking to my co-host. Sorry about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I forgot you could still hear me on the mic. Whoops. <laughs> it's, that time, it's a glitch in the, in the, in the time machine, it's I think. Time-space continuum is messed up here. <laughs> Shift it back into neutral. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, so the last 10 have – well, actually, I mean, I've probably seen you since then, but uh, mm-hmm. you've been up to yeah, so but much. In the last, yeah, yeah, in the last 10 years, it's been crazy. You know, it's uh, it's been like a thousand lives, like I was saying earlier, and it's – and then I think about it, to me, it's kind of shocking to, to rewind that clock five years and then another five years and see where, where I was and where I am now. But honestly, I didn't realize that I was kind of setting the stage or at least posturing for the lifestyle that I have now and just little baby steps. A lot of people think that I came out of nowhere and I have, uh, like, it's shocking that we live this lifestyle, which is... I think we just got off a 500 day straight road and off road trip, living full time out of the Jeeps, right? Uh, traveling the whole country and Mexico and things like that. And really, what I was doing over the last 10 years is preparing myself for that. Uh, it started out as like a weekend warrior type thing where I built a Jeep that could go do rock crawling and desert trips, you know, local to SoCal with no intention to ever drive it more than 50 miles, right? Not right. a road trip rig at all, full time open. Uh, Jeep, but what I was doing, like at the campsite on, say you show up in the desert on Friday after work and you pack up Sunday morning to go home, right? So you got Monday job. I was the dude in the group that was on my tippy toes looking over the crowd, wondering what's over the next ridge and asking the guys like, why can't we just keep going? Let's, let's push it another day. Let's call in sick. Let's use vacation time. And <laughs> that really was like a draw for me to, to push it another day and, and turn a weekend trip into a week long trip that turned into a month long trip turned into my house really just being a storage cache and returning only to swap gear and make some repairs and head back out. So right in, now, a, in I, a nutshell, yeah, that's it. I got to ask how much vacation time have you got saved up because you've been doing this for a couple <laughs> of years now. Oh, that's a good question. You eventually did one one Monday uh, or one Sunday evening. You just went over that next hill, right? And then what happened Monday when you didn't show up for work? <laughs> I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I wasn't working full time. I had a uh, business that can run itself, right? And I could slip away for a day or two here and there and, and not be it not be a big deal. So what happened was that that taste of that adventure lifestyle where you didn't know it was, it's exciting to not know what's over the next ridge. Right. And then you, it's, it's a trap of sorts because you get over that next ridge and realize that the next ridge is more appealing and you want to go over that one. So what I did was kind of reel in my life a little bit and start to hyper-focus on making it possible to live that lifestyle and travel full time. And I didn't realize that when I decided my partner and I, uh, Miss Holly decided that it was time to just, wrap up all our belongings, give away, sell, uh, walk away from a lot of stuff that was in our lives at that time that we would gain attention, right. Or, or enable more opportunity. We thought once we did that, that we would kind of fade away and end up in a homestead somewhere in Southern Oregon or Northern California or name, you know, fill in the blank for any other random place. But what happened is when we had the balls to just, play the the cards that we were dealt and, and make the best of them, things started to really pick up and opportunities started to happen. And, uh, 
shit, it's been a wild ride. I buckled in tight a handful of years ago for this ride and I'm still on it. So, right. Yeah. And you, you know, you sell everything. You, you don't have anything else. And, and honestly, I think people paid attention because in a way that's kind of what people in this, in this world where we like have things, you know, I think people want to mm-hmm. see experiences and I think living when you are a little bit afraid to do the, cause I, you know, I got two mm-hmm. kids and I've been mm-hmm. at this job the longest that I've been at any job and I, it would be hard to step away from all that. And so, yeah, even mm-hmm. me looking, you know, at my good buddy from, you know, how long we've we been friends now, like 70, 80 years, what would we decide on 112 years <laughs> seeing all that and going, wow, man, like, I can't believe at one time we were running parallel and now you're living the dream, you know, like, uh, it is, it's funny because, and I think people want to see that people want to live vicariously through that. So I think probably people mm-hmm. started to pay attention and go, Hey, how do I do this? How do I, you know, how do I live that lifestyle? And I got to ask it, is it, is it hard? Is it easy? And how the hell do you like make money uh, adventuring? You know, I, I, beaver trapping, as far as I know, is not as lucrative as it was, you know, 200 years ago. So I got to imagine that you're doing something on your downtime. Hell yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a lot of questions all wrapped into one, but it really comes down to the hardest thing, really, in that whole experience, uh, starting on day one, where uh, Holly and I sat down and had a real honest, open conversation with each other and said, Hey, like if you could live your dream, what is your dream? And it was one of those all night conversations where we just kind of tossed those things back and forth to each other. The hardest moment was when she called my bluff and said that she could do it. Right. And I had to like kind of swallow my tongue and realize, yeah, you, oh, li- shit. you literally have to shit. Can I do pot. this? Right. <laughs> and I said, and I thought about it. I like took a self audit, really thought about it. And I spit out, you better believe I can. Yeah. And that legit with honest intention was the hardest moment because up until that point, uh, you kind of just roll with life. Right. And there's this like standard mindset of this is how you live life. Like you were, you were laying it out perfectly by saying you were worried about making sure if you had a roommate or not, or if you could afford this, or you had a good reliable vehicle or dot, dot, dot. Well, at that moment I knew saying that I could do that and looking at her in the eyes and realizing that she completely meant it. That was the hardest part of this whole lifestyle. It was committing to doing it and really doing it. Right. But Find, since, finding a but chick. Since that, then, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. A, you're right. I, I can see where you're going with that. Like finding a chick that can do that, but really honestly, finding anybody that can do that is freaking rare. Yeah. Right. Like that's a, it was a huge leap, but the day to day life, it's just like we traded in uh, a standard lifestyle, a super average lifestyle that was by today's standard successful, right? We had the houses, the RVs, the boats, the new cars, all the toys that go along with life busting my ass to get to that point. But what I did was trade in all those physical possessions for just the hard work and the obligations of the opportunities I have now. Right. So it's silly, but I just kind of took all the skill sets that I had honed over the years and turned those into when I need to make money. It's I'm capable of busting out something, you know, build something, make a limited run, sell those things. I'm fortunate enough. There's a demand for that, you right. know, so that I'm not having to pop a shop up and bust out a hundred thousand units or something to 
just to meet a quota so that I can pay the bills. It's more when you don't have a bunch of stuff. And I literally own my Jeep, my adventure trailer and my equipment, the tools that I've always kind of held on to over the years. So those things are all important to me. I consider them, you know, part of the kit that allows me to live this wild adventure life. Right. So, And do you have any of those tools back from when we first worked at a body shop together? Do you still have any of those things? You know, I have like my, my first favorite, you know, crappy little body hammer and, and dolly. And I have like a, like a small little drawer of just those OG, OG tools that, you know, they're not the best, they're not the best, but like they fit my hand just right. Cause yeah. the years of seat time I have with them. Right. So yeah, yeah I, I do have a couple of those things. Dude, I still have the OG, I think I'm looking at it right now, the OG body hammer that you gave to me that, and the dolly that uh, the hammer looked like you bought it at Harbor Freight and then drove over it a couple times and then shit on it and then gave it to me. <laughs> but it worked. There's, it there's worked. a consistent theme to your conversation with me. It's Your memories are, you, you taught me how to weld, but you let me on fire. You sold me a bike you found in a ditch, but it didn't have brakes and I drove through a fence. You gave me a shitty Harbor Freight hammer that you abused. Yeah. <laughs> I think the theme is the theme is is that like through thick and thin we've we've had some of the best shit that some of the best adventures that I'm still hanging on to right now, man. So I have yeah, to say I have to say that it, it, it's a it's all in compliment. But yeah, my thing is that I never busted my ass good enough. I was always like, yeah, I'll take your shit. Like, I'll take what you don't want. <laughs> so that's my my moral to this story is that uh, I should have. Busted my ass a little harder. Um, yeah, no, I it, it was fun. And and to see where you are now and the type of stuff that you're in and doing what you're doing, um, I wanna ask you about did you did you, you know, in your cutting everything off and just deciding to hawk everything, right before that, did you did you scale down a little bit? But even getting back onto the two wheel time machine, and now that Chris is here, we look like a um we look like a scene from an Indian Instagram where there's three of us on a one twenty five <laughs> nest of butts now going back through time. But uh yeah, I remember we you used to have a low rider truck that was awesome. And uh it was a well it was a full size like C ten, but it was lowered and it was so rad. And then you we you got that S10 Blazer and we took that thing like I see you crawl up rocks and do like the fucking what's it called like the the hammer king of hammers style terrain now but we had the <laughs> S10 Blazer and it had to have like 15 or 14 inch wheels on probably like the stockest tires you could ever get and we went down uh, a pretty gnarly off road thing one time I remember we thought we were gonna have to stay the night there because we didn't have cell service and this is back before like even texting I think we didn't have cell service. Straight up. We had no ground clearance and street tires. And we were like, dude, we went down this like four by trail. How are we going to get out? So it's funny. I don't know if that that was. That night, I actually considered leaving the vehicle there and just calling it in stolen. Because we had no business being where we were. We didn't. And the funniest part, not to not to rag on you again, but I was taking a dump and you started to take off without me, and I thought that was pretty funny and, until you got stuck. And then I was like, well, it's not funny that we're both going to be stuck down here in this valley next to my putrid feces that I just laid in the field. But yeah, like going from those days where we were just like no GPS, no plan, mm-hmm. obviously no and no plan and no planning and no strategy. Uh, just doing crazy shit like that to like shit where you're going overland now. Do you guys, do you guys sit down and obviously you said you just got off a 500 plus day, uh, 
you know, trip? Do you do you have to plan? Mm-hmm. How much of that's planning? How much of that is just like I'm going to go check this out? I'm going to let like my adventure um, take me, and not the GPS. You know, dude, it's just that you know we like as far as to structure our lifestyle, it really comes down to uh, committing to a couple obligations. If it's uh, an appearance or um, maybe a competition somewhere in the country or even south of the border, that gives us enough structure that it dots the calendar for the year, like, you know, with a, a couple months between each thing that allows us then to play off that adventure mindset of where we're freestyle. You know, one of the only rules we really have, uh, is if both of our heads whip when we're passing a dirt road or a random two track off the side of the interstate or, or some backcountry road, we always turn around and go see what's down it. Right. So you have it's the, been awesome uh, like that. the Yeti GPS where like, yeah, <laughs> I go where my eyes look. That's awesome. Yeah. And you yeah. guys have done now. This is another thing. Cause you, we talked a little bit about how you got, you know, you were got taught to paint. And um, mm-hmm. you were growing the the Yeti, you know. I don't know if you named the Yeti this, the Jeep Yeti, but you were growing some crazy shit. I seen some lowriders, I think, that you painted, and I saw some other stuff that you painted that you grew these weird crystals in the paint. You grew some straight up yeah. crystals, and uh, your first Yeti hood had that ice paint, and it matched the Yeti mm-hmm. theme so nicely. So, did the Yeti come before or after that? So I picked up a little, I traded like a, I had a, a whole bunch of little rat rods and hot rods that I was, you know, smashing asphalt daily with. And one of them was like a 66 little Studebaker car, right? And it was a bitch and a little rat rod, just kind of found its way to the back of the the cycle of what I drove regularly. And I had a buddy at the time that had just a clapped out, non-running, non-registered Jeep Wrangler. But... I knew he needed a reliable vehicle and I had that Studebaker laying around and, and he was super digging it. Every time he'd come over, check it out. You want to go for a ride in it? We do shows and things like that. So I called him up one day and said, you know, I have a title keys, a full tank of gas in the stud. You come pick it up. I'll trade you straight across for the, the little 97 Wrangler and I'll have a tow truck or a trailer show up and I'll swoop it up. And I did just that. And that little Jeep that eventually became called the Jeep called Yeti was just a random first year of the new generation TJs at the time, which it was just a stone white Jeep with a really rare white top. So it was all white. And I dubbed it the Yeti at that point, just, you know, kind of funny, but that, that crystallized paint came uh, through the evolution of that Jeep in the first few months, you know, getting it reliable running, building suspension, cutting the body off and building a tube body for it. And it was just an old trick I had up my sleeve from my painting days to uh, shoot like a, I think it was something like an eight stage paint job on that thing to get that crystal check. But because <laughs> you were was, telling me that you have to grow it. It doesn't just, it's not a technique. Yeah. You have to grow it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a, like a hydrodynamic waterborne crystal, right? That you control its pattern that it leaves on your paint between stages with humidity and air temperature. So it was legit three dimensional crystal that grew all over the thing. And then you lay like a, a top coat over that, a haze coat. And then when you wipe it clean with a sponge, it just leaves that witness mark, right? Crazy. Of like, legit crystals and then you bury that in clear yeah you sound like walter white when you said that what's it called it's a what what crystal it's like a hydrodynamic mask 
just a, just a waterborne crystal. All right, Walter White, I'll take some, I'll take 300 pounds of your hydrodynamic crystal. <laughs> um, yeah. But. So, so that was the Yeti and the tube frame on the back. I got to say like the, the ass end of that Jeep is pretty legendary. And I know, um, you know, my brother had talked to you a little bit and he was telling me like, yeah, I seen him. I, I think you, I don't know if you went to visit him in Nevada, but there's obviously some rad mm-hmm. Froden and wheeling terrain out there. Mm-hmm. But he was telling me uh, about it, and I said, "Well, look at it. Obviously, that thing can do like 80 degree climbs because nothing. There's nothing to bang now back there. It's all mm-hmm. you've built that thing, purpose built to uh, do all sorts of. Can you do inverted? Like, can you climb inverted in that thing? Are, are Pretty damn close. Yeah, really. You know, like the my whole mentality was with that build was a, it was the first tube I ever bent really. Uh, so I bought a tubing vendor to build that thing. And then, uh, B my mindset was approach and departure angle, right? Like I just knew that I couldn't at that time justify, uh, over the top suspension and axles and all the things that go along with it. So I compromised, uh, or I compensated with the idea that if you had nothing that would touch, then you don't need as much suspension in those situations. And it, I mean, it's played off beautifully for me over the years and just being fortunate enough to put a little bit higher level, uh, suspension axles and drivetrain in it. Now over the years, it really pays off. It's super capable. So near vertical, but not quite. Right. Yeah. When you go inverted, let me know, like when you can straight up have the top facing the ground, but you're still climbing. Yeah, I lawn darted. So that's about as close as I got. Oh man. Well, dude, you need to, when you're in Cali again, come out here by, by me and, uh, Chris, because we got you know, Azusa Canyon, which when we lived in San Diego, you, uh, yeah. you, I remember you came up here once with some Jeep dudes and told me about it before I lived up here. Mm-hmm. And now that I've seen it, I'm like, oh yeah, like that'd be so fun. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, it's on, it's on. Yeah, dude. And so you guys are doing, um, you've done a couple, I guess I should say, I don't know if you're doing, but you've done a couple things called the Yeti 750, right? Mm-hmm. Which so we host. Wait a minute. That sounds uh, like, like a, it sounds like an awesome motorcycle to begin with, <laughs> but I know that it's not. So yeah, tell us what it yeah. is. Yeah, that's perfect. It wouldn't make an awesome motorcycle. It's a uh, like an off road rally down in Baja that we host every year. We had bounced around uh, Baja a few times in our Jeep and realized that uh, the standard road trip type thing that most people do, even when they go to Baja or anywhere for that matter, uh, wasn't enough. I felt like people needed to see more of what really is that terrain. And we put together, we call it the Yeti built 750. Uh, it's an all inclusive kind of an adventure rally. So it's non competitive. It's, we're all there together to experience, you know, the trails, the lifestyle and all the things that we do regularly. And it's just hyper condensed into like a six day trip. So it's like every year we do it. Yeah, it's like the world's best guided tour, but it's like a rally tour, right? I mean, it's like, a, yeah, that's yeah. rad. Yeah. Yeah, we have, you know, everything's uh, well sorted. We have, you know, uh, chase trucks and uh, fixers in the villages and things like that already set up. All the stays are set up. I cook for everybody. I kind of play off of those old short order uh, cook uh, and chef days that I had. I was going to say, your old chef skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. So, you know, what, what happened with that was, uh, we had gone down there and, you know, through social media, posted some stuff of our adventures down there and, and there and other places that we've been nationally, we'd always get asked for like waypoints or, or our route so that people can kind of trace that and live, 
that adventure. And, and it all kind of made sense about Baja for us because it was just so ripe for the picking to take people down there. It's a big, scary place to most people. And what they don't realize is we'll go a day without seeing anybody else. You know, right. we do super remote, like Baja 1000 course or old unmarked trails that we've had scouted and ran a few times and realized that, you know, those are the places that people really want to see, you right. know, Tijuana is not that spot. Right. Right. Oh yeah. No. And there's enough, I've, I listened to enough adventure uh, motorcycle shows that I know that there's a, there's a spectacular places to go that are cater, that cater to you. If you want to stay on a trail mm-hmm. or yeah, like you're saying, you can just go off and get lost and hopefully you've got the supplies. Do you guys, when you go down there, do you have motorcycles that ever go with you? I mean, would you like a guy, a crusty guy on a motorbike that's probably going to fall down 8,000 times to tag along one of these times? You know, we've thought about that and absolutely we'd love it. But being like the Overland type rig or the expedition type build, it's hard to justify keeping uh, a high speed capable motorcycle type vehicle or even side by side for that matter really kind of reeled in for that whole trip because i know if i was on two wheels i'd like to open it up and stretch my legs right yeah especially when you're down like in baja you're like yeah i'm on the course uh dude yeah well so me and uh me and the wigmeister here we we got a couple dirt capable bikes and i'm sure that we could if you ever wanted a uh, bike to tag along we could ride we could ride nuts to butts on my bike (laughs) On my two fifty. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think we need to jump in that time machine and go back to the Volkswagen days and oh get your ass in a little Baja. You know what? That's what you need. Yeah. Speaking of other dumb off road shit that we did, we took that stock street <laughs> Volkswagen, which was like I'm telling. That's one of the other first cars I bought off you, um, and we straight up did some legit off roading on street. Volkswagen tires and and stock suspension. I mean, that thing was so stock, and we made it through some of the places that the trucks, like lifted trucks and stuff, couldn't make it. Well, we were out there, we were out there chasing around trials bikes in a completely stock Beetle. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. I think we got to the point where you had to hike out and get some military dudes oh, to come yeah. actually lift the car off a high center for us. So that, that, keep that going. is, we did, we did hit some sand and we slid onto a rock. <laughs> and we were, I, I think both of us at the time were probably a hundred pounds wet. So we couldn't you know <laughs> nowadays my part. right e- either one of us could just lift it off by ourselves now but back then yeah both of us were struggling <laughs> and like the the texas ranger guy had to come but yeah like i'm I'm assuming you don't get stuck on stuff like that now but if you do have if you do want um some cheesy looking guy on a motorbike to go down or even two of them not i'm not saying wigs looks cheesy but uh, i'm just saying that he could come along too but yeah th- i think that'd be fun to explore baja with uh, a bunch of people that are down there to um, basically just enjoy the trip, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or anywhere across mm-hmm. the greater USA where you guys are finding on and off-road adventures. Um, speaking yeah. of speaking of off-road adventures, you have something, I think, coming up, don't you? Like pretty soon that you've – I've seen you've done it before, but it's like a – you, you tell me what it is. It's You have a yeah, couple, perfect. couple months. Yeah. Yeah, so in August, we're uh, this could be the official announcement for it. We're going to enter in this year's 36 Hours of URI as a pro-class team. We did do it last year, and it was our first uh, pro-class entry into any kind of competition, and that's Holly and myself doing that in the Yeti Jeep. 
and we go down there, it's like a hyper-condensed version of Camel Trophy. So you're taking down timbers and building a bridge that you have to drive across that's pointed and timed and things like that, all the way to uh, competitive shooting, you know, like long arm and shotgun. It's They call it 36 hours of URE. It's in North Carolina, but the reality of it is it's three straight days of uh, like military style missions hmm. and it's all vehicle based. So it's, they basically wear your ass down physically and mentally test you on all levels from swamp water crossings to, like I said, the down timbers in the bridge and, uh, rock racing and reverse racing through forests. And then, I mean, even blindfold competitive driving where no the shit. driver's blindfolded and you take all audio commands and rollover situations from your, uh, navigator. So it's a really, dream type competition that pushes everything that you are. So yeah, we're excited. We entered last year, went down there and compete against like epic teams, like the BF Goodwrench type monster energy style teams to, uh, the general enlisted classes and on pro classes that are the weekenders. And you all go out there, compete together. You help each other get through stuff. And after three days of that, it's, uh, you really know where you stand in the world. Right. And we were fortunate enough to, I think we pulled third third place in the pro class last year on our first entry, which is pretty incredible. Dude, that is crazy. And that explains all your – because I was wondering where – I mean, I know this is America. I know we love guns and bacon and bacon-wrapped guns <laughs> and this and that. But that explains why you guys do so much uh, practice with the 50 cals mm-hmm. and with the handguns because I didn't know it was part of that competition. Right. That uh, that competition last year let us step into like that whole world of competitive shooting where we find ourselves, uh, we're Brownells Pro Class, which is the largest like gunsmith supplier in the world. So they're our main sponsor and that we're their pro team, their uh, pro class team. And okay, cool. what that did was uh, it made sense there because, you know, the firearms industry and all their connections aligned with that that competition right and then what happened is we found ourselves you know training with state police and special military forces and doing all these really high level you know aerial platform shooting where i'm in a hanging out of a helicopter over florida you know shooting tannerite like these insane (laughs) situations but it it's all in the name of training, right? Right. <laughs> and preparation, but really, it's just a, it's just an incredible ride. Wigs, so. are you a good shot? Because I'll drive. You stand on the back pegs, and uh, <laughs> you shoot off the back of the bike. While we'll, we'll motocross. We'll do a free shooting motocross. Where that sounds dangerous if you hit a bump wrong. <laughs> Hey, where, where, where does head go? Yeah, I'm decent, but I don't know about Listen, hanging out of a helicopter. What yet. about skeet on a motocross course? And I'm jumping and stuff while you're shooting skeet while we're in the air and shit. Like, <laughs> dude, that would be awesome. Um, no, I mean, that, that sounds pretty incredible and pretty fun. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Like, that, it, I, I saw, I mean, I was, obviously, I follow you guys on Instagram, the Jeep called Yeti, and I see all of the training and stuff that you guys are doing. And, and I've seen a lot of the recent like 50 cal stuff that you've been doing. And I wondered, I was like, oh, are they just getting, cause I know the Yeti paint job went away. I was totally sad, but now it makes sense why it's the Brownells, uh, you uh-huh. know, why it's the Brownells Jeep. So that makes sense. Um, since they're your sponsor and that, you know, you don't have that awesome Yeti paint anymore, but at least you got a sponsor. So that's gotta be pretty legit. <laughs> and pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and, it's not bad. Hey, you know, Holly designed that uh, that wrap that's on there, that desert camo, and underneath it's that OG paint job. No, so, okay, so. cool. So one day when the wraps <laughs> come off, 
uh, uh-huh. Yeti will still be there. You know, she's a pretty fabulous person too. Uh, she right there along with you. She's always got a smile. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen her, even when she looked tired. Like I could tell it was the thirty sixth <laughs> hour of URA last year. And uh-huh. you guys both still had smiles on your face, and so it's pretty cool uh, yeah. to see that. Are there are there moments out there when you're, say, you were day four hundred into, you know, your your uh, five hundred and some odd day no ho- no home uh, just trip? Are there times where you guys like, you know, have to find a way to make it work with each other? I mean, do you ever get bored of each other, or do you do you guys need each other now? You know what? It really comes down to a couple things with her is she really is that person. She's got the most glowing smile, super positive, just a beautiful soul to be around. So those days that where I have a dip, you know, in momentum in life, I always fall back on her because, I mean, we've been in a situation, perfect example, Utah, uh, Wyoming border, uh, solo on the solo trip by ourselves, super remote. I think something like 45 minutes from any maintained road. And I almost lose my Jeep to a water crossing. Oh, so damn. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, the Jeep's gone. We need to start unloading what we need to survive out here so that we could a camp and then walk our way out, you know, no self-service, super remote. And she's smiling as she's jumping in the water to go underwater to air down the tires so that we, if we can get out, we will. Crazy. And that's the kind of partnership we have that wait it's like where i'm like wait a minute you sent her underwater to like lock the hub i didn't even have, air down the I didn't have to send her okay. i'm shit myself i'm telling her i'm telling her well it's kind of like our relationship right if you were riding passy you'd be out no uh honestly i'm telling her like we need to unbolt the rooftop tent and grab our gear bags and she's like well why don't we try airing down all like dump it. She pulled the valve stems out and just dumped all the air out. Right. And that was pre winch days, pre self recovery, uh, kit that's really dialed. So in those, in those moments, those are, those are the moments where I look at her and I look back at some of the photos from that day where we had to like a super duty and a HD Chevy diesel link together to try to tow us out of that, that hole. Uh, she has the biggest smile you'd ever seen on her face. She's all there muddy a, and dirty, and you're just in the cab smiling all clean and dry. Like, yeah. <laughs> God, I see how it is. Yeah. I want to go on a trip now, too. I'm going to invite my wife along. <laughs> now that I know who's who going to be doing all the work, like, it'll be legit. Um, rad. Well, the it's coming up here pretty soon. Are you guys training mm-hmm. and doing all sorts of stuff? Are you guys taking a break right now until that thing comes up? Yeah, you know, that's it. kind of the timeline worked out perfect with building the uh, Adventure Dream Rig here where we're working on this uh, this gnarly JKU platform. It's ideal because it's located where Brownells is located, so that gives us the opportunity to be full-time in the gym, nutritionist, and then all the other kind of training, like I was mentioning, the firearms portion and the canoeing, tons of bodies of water around here for us to be the competitive canoeing portion of the uh, competition. And uh, really, with the popping up at a shop right now gives me the opportunity to kind of hone the Yeti and prep it with the lessons I learned over the last year. Yeah. You know, for, for that. So. And tons of corn in Iowa, like loads and loads of corn. <laughs> That's awesome. There is. Yeah. So truth. we're, we're coming up on an hour. We're going to take a, a quick break, but do you want to stick around with us and hang out for a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. That All right. Good. All right. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. I hope you're enjoying our time with the Yeti. It is such a good time hanging out with an old friend 
and just talking about the old days and reminiscing it. And uh, I, every little thing that we did together and every little treasure that I still have just takes me back to those old days. And some of the stuff that we did just in one weekend probably could have filled up a whole uh, hour long solstice slam. Uh, so I want to remind everybody out there, if you can, this is the last show you're going to hear before, well, I guess maybe is this the last show you're going to hear? Because the next show will be the 31st is when uh, I'll be editing all the stuff down for Solstice Slam and it's going to come out on the 1st. Uh, so yeah, I think this is the last show. I think Solstice Slam is next week. So please, please, if you want to win some glorious prizes, get your stuff in the mail. At least with gas stations, like what percentage of them are mini marts? I don't know. I grew up in the Midwest. All right, we are back from our break. We have the three of us have leapt off that one twenty five cc time machine. It was six more of us could have fit on it. Honestly, it's it was I bought it in India, so uh, you know eighteen people could have fit on it. But yeah, we are back. Wiggs is in the studio, man. You've been a busy boy. You were at the Misfits, by the way. Good good job knocking out a show with those guys. Thanks. It was only like half a show. I tried to get there for the whole thing. Listen, Liza called you my better half, which I took great offense to. (laughs) But all right, Liza, you do know what you're talking about. Um, Yeah, man. How was uh, Sacramento Mile? It was insane. It was wait, wait. Awesome. Should I just say, just listen to the Misfits? <laughs> just listen to the Misfits. I'm sick of talking about it. No, no. It's it was so much fun. I want to talk about it again. Right. Um, it was awesome. I raced a little bit on Friday. Um, nothing like super exciting, at least for me. There, just kind of. I went to the Rolling Sands race. Yeah, you know how that is. Like lame. Uh, for me, yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, made the main event though. So other than uh Bolsa Chica, I'm keeping my streak alive. Nice. And then, um, went to the Sacramento mile on Saturday and, uh, I don't, I've never been to a clay mile before. I'd been to Arizona, but that was, I think the only mile Arizona and Pomona. Um, so it was just insane. I, I mean, they're just so much faster on the clay. Um, just running like super close and tight lines and, it was insane to see the fast guys just slide the bike all the way around the corner. Yeah. Just like have it kicked out like a speedway bike Rad. from the entry to the exit. Is that how clay is? Like it grips and then it slips? No, you, clay is like, to me anyway, clay is sticky. So it's fast. That's what I it's thought. like, yeah, it's yeah, smooth and it's fast and it's sticky. So to see them just that wide open using that much power, having it sideways was, was pretty nuts. But. Rad. It's obviously fast form and works. Yeah. Did you catch any of the Hangtown? There was a bunch of motorcycle stuff happening. There was Hangtown, yeah. Hangtown Um, happened up there? I didn't because that was on Saturday too with the pro event. But that was – Hangtown is actually at – the Prairie City off highway, right, right, the vehicle thing. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly where we raced that Friday. How funny! It's just next to it wasn't. I mean, it obviously wasn't on the oval, but yeah, it was at the same Prairie City like recreational area. So rad. I I can't see you behind the pop filter. Did you shave your mustache? You look like Abe Lincoln now, where you just have a big bushy no. beard. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> Hey, I scared children enough. Yeah, I know. Speaking of which, uh, I'm the only guy on air now. Uh, I know Yeti has a gigantic uh, facial hair. Chris does. And I, I, went, I shaved my face a couple weeks ago. Chris called me a pedophile. He said I look creepy. <laughs> my, my family quit talking to me because they said I look weird without facial hair. But I have to say, again, the nicest people at, 
uh, uh, <laughs> talking to me like out everyone. This old lady over the weekend, I was driving through this mysterious part of town that I've never been to, and this old lady was like stopped me to ask me if I was lost, and she was being really sweet to me. And I was like, man, had I had the facial hair like a couple weeks ago, she probably would have been like, I'm glad that creeper is getting out of here. So I have to say, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna leave it off. Um, I'm sorry I insulted you by calling you Abraham Lincoln because uh, <laughs> I don't know what's creepier, having no facial hair or just having that weird beard uh, uh, yeah, down below. Yeah, that weird beard is weird. <laughs> so <laughs> Baby I, face. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I heard you talking on the Misfits about um, everybody was oogling and ogling over the techniques and riding the, the Seminole and the, and the techniques. Did you get a few people hooked on flat tracking, do you think, or uh, ready to build the next flat track bike? Uh, you mean from the Misfits cast? Yeah. I don't think so. I think they're all super excited about what goes on, but they're, I think most of them are like very like street riders. Like they like to do the dirt stuff, but it's not like, there's no one in the crowd that like is doing the dirt and they're like, I need a 450. And honestly, like if you're, if you're the type of person to go racing, then you're probably the type of person that's like, I can't be doing this on a 100. I gotta, like, <laughs> I gotta go balls out. Like, I gotta get something super fast and right. go extreme. Like, I don't know, dude. There's the 250s nowadays put out 50 horse, which like shit. Some of the Harleys still put out 50 horse. You know, like goddamn. Uh, but I get it. Yeah, if you, they, I, they're more. You know, they're more like laid back. They're kind of like the, yeah, the ADV and touring like crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, not. Yeah. You know, some of them are definitely crazy, but. Hey, uh, Yeti, on your adventures, have you seen any any good stuff for us to go do? Uh, I mean, I know there's some states where you can just ride off-road, right? Like be cruising on the highway and just oh, yeah. turn off-road, take your – Well, you, you guys are in that area, really. Like the, the best place in the southwest, honestly, for huh. that. You like, know, we've been able to tie like California, Arizona, and Nevada – together in the jeep with only getting on the tarmac for fuel or supplies really right? and doing like state-to-state runs so that would be epic and it's within striking distance of you guys i mean to put it like a if you had like a four or five day stretch to put together that you were able to just go for a run that's the spot yeah i mean think about it like barstow to vegas yeah la b to v and, mm-hmm. there, and there's the, a lot uh, in arizona yeah I, that's what i'm mm-hmm. saying arizona i know you can just drive off the freeway out because it's BLM and, and it's yeah. not like California mm-hmm. where it's like you'll get arrested if you get off the road without a green sticker or a red sticker on your bike. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Well, the the reason I was asking is because uh, me and Wiggs, I'm going to get us a 125 um, sidecar rig and uh, we're, I want to do some off-road <laughs> traveling this summer, but uh, I don't know. Oh, if, oh, damn. Maybe we should do some parallel builds on that. I would love to get, dude, my, get, our, get us set up with it. Yeah. Did you say a sidecar off-road rig? Yeah. Oh, dude! Have, All you right, ever seen, have you ever seen sidecar motocross racing like that? They are seriously skying those bikes twenty feet in the air with the sidecar oh. and a monkey like jumping, <laughs> like helping to pump them over the jumps and stuff. Like the monkey's just holding on, but he pumps too over the jump. Yeah, he's got to push into oh it too. Oh my god, that's so crazy! Insanity. Yeah, that would be rad. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude. And then when we, if we ever do get invited to like the Yeti 750. Uh, we'll bring one of those, and I'll just instead of a passenger, I'll just stack all the gear in the sidecar. <laughs> but, it's perfect. Yeah, that's that, perfect. That would be fun. Um, I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys. Well, I I don't know. Do you even have TV on the Jeeps? You know, you probably don't. You probably haven't watched TV in what seventeen years. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we got we ditched those years ago. No TVs. 
You're one no of those TVs, but I mean, every, everything you need is on your cell phone, right? Like uh, that's YouTube true, yeah. and everything else. That's true. So, fans' uh, choice. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I did. I watched. Uh, I watched the flat track this weekend. Plus, I went to what was the name of that? Oh, the theater downtown, the independent, to watch uh, some MotoGP. And I was gonna say, I even oh, saw right. some. I saw some dirt riding. Yeah, there's nothing like watching MotoGP on the big screen. It is pretty rad. Epic. Because um, I the last I quit watching MotoGP when they quit putting it on cable. I you have to have some special mm-hmm. package now, and it's like, dude, I'm so sick of packages to get a package to get a package, and I don't even like to watch TV. <laughs> I want to do You're talking what, my language now. Yeah, I know. I want to do what you and uh, Wiggs do, and and just get out from in front of the tube and, and get on two wheels. So this week, this weekend, it was fun to do that, and uh, yeah, watching watching MotoGP on the screen big screen i realized that i don't need a tv uh, to still see some rad racing action but um one of the dudes his name was um he was in moto three i think and um wiggins i don't you know he was at a race uh a few weeks ago and, he, and a guy crashed in front of him and he was gonna go by him but then the bikes like caught the um, foot peg and spun in front of him and he just hit it and he races um hard you know big ass harleys and so you, mm-hmm. is Trusty Rusty's a twelve hundred, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's a twelve hundred. <clears throat> so he he just was like smacking twelve hundred cc's of Harley into another Harley mm-hmm. that had Harley, yeah, fell in front of him, and he went down. Well, this dude in Moto Three, um, I think his name is um, Cornfield, Jacob Cornfield. He's like a check rider. This dude did the same exact thing. Wigs, the guy low sided and slid out, and the, he was gonna pass, and then the bike rotated ninety degrees, and it's just like in front yeah. of him. The dude gets back. And just kept it in the throttle and jumped his little Moto Three <laughs> Moto GP bike like a damn. It, it, I think he was Team KTM, so I mean you got to give give it to KTM whether it's a, uh, <laughs> a dirt bike or a sport bike. They felt good in the air, I guess. And he just launched did the he, dude like a ramp. Did he land in the gravel? Yeah, did he land in the gravel. And he just and landed, landed it out? and rode out. Rode yes, out. I saw that epic. Yeah, yeah I saw it too. Epic. It's nuts. I was like, dude, if Wigs, that's like. Well, my bike like didn't launch. No. It probably would have been more like Stevie Bonzi if it did. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, that dude. That dude was feet off the pegs, floating like weightless for a split second when they slow that. When yeah, they slow that action down, and he still landed that and <laughs> throttled out of it. Incredible, dude. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the flat track the pro guys launched like twelve or fifteen feet in the air. Uh, yeah, it launched him pretty taller, oh higher than that, and it broke his ankle. Yeah, he busted his ankle. He just came Damn. back off a broken neck from the year before too. So I was like, ooh. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, sort of the stuff that uh, dreams are made of. But yeah, so <laughs> racing action was pretty rad this weekend. Wiggs, I'm glad that you got out. Are you still in the standings in the RSD? Uh, I mean, are, did they, you didn't tire dope or anything. They should still give it, have you lined up there in the points somewhere, yeah? I'm still in the points. I've got to be probably seventh or eighth now. Yeah. Something like but that. you've missed a couple rounds. Yeah. Are you going hit to the, hit the remainder? No. Oh. Because I was going to say... It's I, my I'm, silent protest. I'm not, <laughs> not doing the series. I will supply you with all the 805 beer you need to lubricate your rear tire <laughs> and, and the uh, Tim Hortons uh, barbecue sauce to get you that advantage yeah. that uh, Jared B. said a couple weeks ago. Um, all right. Well, if you're not going to do the series, then I guess... I'll just rip up that thousand dollar check I had inside <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not. Yeah, um, I did get on the mile though, and that was epic, dude. Yeah, that was insane. I, I never like. It was definitely different than I imagined, but it was definitely scarier than I imagined too. Yeah, because I'll ride a half mile like balls of the wall, just totally as fast as I can go, 
And I was definitely scared on the mile, like shutting down a little early, especially early in the day, the first few sessions. But yeah, towards the mains, I felt a lot, lot better, but yeah. still. Well, we've established that you're the type of guy, too, that goes out and gets his feelers and yeah. tries to, yeah. you know, where I'm. I do the dumb thing of I try to go out and see where the edge is first. Yeah, and doing 110 <laughs> mile an hour on a 450 pound Harley. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, that wouldn't have been a good idea. No. So. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I when I was listening to the Misfits, uh, you were talking about the, was the Seminole getting head shake or was, were they both getting no, head shake? No, uh, the Seminole felt great. I didn't do anything to the setup. Nothing, and it felt great all day. Uh, Trusty Rusty was getting like a wobble, like a death wobble. Damn. So it was like the hard part about death wobbles is if you lift, they sometimes get worse. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, of course you have to lift for the corner. But, um, like, when you lift and kind of turn in, it, it was fixing itself. But I just had to get my butt way back over the seat and Damn. it would stop. And I kept lifting the front end up help too. Yeah, and sometimes you can try and wheelie, like when in doubt, wheelie out. But if you're already at top speed and it's doing it, yeah, like, it didn't. You, it didn't have enough power to wheelie left. out. Yeah, geez, shit. Yeah, you're like, I got to turn to make the stop. Where's yeah. the turn? Where's the turn? It's a mile that way. <laughs> yeah, it was fun shit. though. It was insane, but yeah. it was a good time. And I'm, I'm definitely glad I did it. I think for anyone that's done flat track for you know more than one season or something something they're into if you get a chance to ride a mile like no matter what it costs or whatever your plans are like you need to make it happen at least once you know you don't the thing is like it was a race but only the pro 450 class had money on the line so it didn't need to be a race you could have went out and rode around in second gear if you wanted to you just it's something good to like definitely try yeah and like feel you know especially like we did it the day after the pros so all the rubber on the track was laid down from them so nice. it you was could, just you cool could see to, the like, groove or whatever. yeah i mean like, see the line. we had to ride in the groove so it was uh yeah because if you got out of the groove it was kind of sandy and loose and yeah. slick yeah i know i saw some of the dudes on uh during racing taking some pretty interesting lines out up there in the cushion i was like what yeah. are they doing but they they hooked and they they could i think for them they're just spinning the rear wheel enough that it's fine. Because I remember watching uh, Carver or Baker, someone get up kind of in the loose. Yeah. And I think it was Carver at the end of one of the practices. Like he went up high and you saw him just kind of throw it sideways and drive around someone. And I was like, all right. Yeah. I don't. I, we were off air when we were talking about this, but you got an incredible interview with Carver. I didn't end up posting it to Instagram, <laughs> uh, but it, I was looking for him in the in the main. I didn't see him at all, even listed. And I was like, "What the hell?" I didn't watch the semis. Oh, okay. Um, and so I didn't see that he busted an oil line or something like that. He um, it sheared all the bolts off in the um, stator cover. Oh shit! So that's not usually a good thing. No, it's not the. Thought it would be a good idea to save a little bit of weight, and they put some aluminum bolts in it, yeah. and it oh. sheared them all. Dude. So, I mean, that cover, like, they're right. That cover has no, like, load to speak of, but it also it has the stator wind you yeah. know, turning, and that, that magnetic force is a load. Yeah, and, and that's it, getting it driven off the, off. Uh, the crank. I mean, the, cl- yeah. the, you know, however fast you spin that crank up. If you read any BMW repair procedures, it'll tell you, don't use aluminum bolts. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like especially like against steel or something. Yeah, he was just you know at that level you can shave a few ounces off and yeah. it, it helps. But yeah. um, cut your hair. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bummer too. He passed Mies for the lead in the semis. Right, I heard. Yeah, um, and it was like I was on the the stand side at that time. I went over and got some food, and we're standing there getting ready to cross, like watching the the TV, and then watching him come down and. uh he kept sneaking up to Meese and, you know, showed him a wheel and Meese would kind of drive away and 
He made the pass, and the entire crowd went nuts. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about him, especially you, all season long, like or leading up to this season even. Well, and it's like, yeah. he's making moves, dude. You know what? He's making moves, and he's definitely a fan favorite, and he's got a lot of things that fans are looking for. Um, I don't think a lot of the fans knew they were looking for it, but they are. Um, long, long, luxurious hair and a nice smile, you mean? Well, I mean, if you <laughs> if you think about it, like that stuff – Yes, I mean that that is it. And that's part of it anyway, and it's because so many of the writers, especially in the Twins class, are cookie cutters. Yep. So, I edited all that out last week. <laughs> but we talked about So that. he's a, you know, he stands out to the crowds and he's just, you know, if you followed his career at all or you followed last season at all when he showed up to Daytona in a van with a bike with no mechanic, you know, with yeah. with nothing just like going to try and do it. Um and then ends up winning a race then the season one of only two guys on non-factory Indians to win it. So what, one of only four all season to win a race. Yeah. And then, um, you know, doing set and fastest lap at Paris, like kind of uh, building the whole season, getting closer the whole time. You know, um, that that helps. You know, people love the underdog. Yeah. And they love the privateer that's that's running his own team and doing it. And he's not in a small van anymore with one bike, but he's still a privateer. and yeah. Well, and also uh, Michael Schumacher, Art and Senna. Um, there's a couple other. I don't know Lewis Hamilton, but Sebastian Loeb in World Rally. Like I can think of a handful of dudes that just started winning every goddamn race, and it got boring to watch yeah. after that. Like Jeff Gordon, and Na- I, I didn't really follow NASCAR, but I just remember hearing Jeff Gordon mm-hmm. wins again, and it's like people don't want. Yeah, not, and not that they don't want a champion, but they don't. Yeah. it does get boring seeing the same guy yeah. win without content. And it's definitely where Mies is at right now. Yeah, you know, the only one he technically didn't win was cheating with a tire of all things. Yeah. Like. You know, he won by enough of a margin that th- that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, and, and Marquez is winning MotoGP left and right again this year, but it's yeah. like, you know, it's people just hate, people boo and stuff, but because they don't want to see the same guy over and, and over. And it's over. also a shame because as much as you don't want to see that, like, you got to give it to the guy. Like, he's working his ass off. Yeah. You know, he, he works hard in the off offseason. Um, he trains hard. He eats right. He, he's, he does everything that he needs to do, whether it's race season or off season or whatever. about Carver or Meese? Mostly Meese. Yeah. Because um, that Tim Hortons, dude, that'll put some <laughs> spunk in your uh, trunk. Yeah. Save it for the track. And yeah. Carver relies on his, like, hippie yoga, yoga. and being a vegetarian, which <laughs> are both good as much as I, like, like make, the fun of, make fun of it. But, um I think eventually he might have to hit a gym and stuff too. And he yeah. does, you know what? He rides dirt bikes a lot. Like he does ride bicycles a little bit, but I, I just see Meese as, as and Meese has some years on him. Yeah. So that, you know, that's hard to, youth is something none of us can, you can't just do that if you don't have it. Yeah. I when know. it's gone, it's gone. So some days I don't even want to get out of bed anymore. <laughs> uh, hey, Yeti, you ever been on a dirt track? You know, I haven't. Uh, road trials and, and a couple other kind of uh, out of the box stuff, but never been on a dirt track. Right, we not, t- not we, on a, not on two wheels. Right, we touched on your uh, your brief uh, motocross championship there, Glen Helen. <laughs> uh, what about on four wheels? Well, I've been on the dirt track in the Yeti. I was uh, fortunate enough to be the official pace car for World Outlaws at the Hall of Fame and fastest track in the in the country in Knoxville. So, yeah, that that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Hey, Wiggins, didn't you used to run Outlaws? I used to run Modified Midgets. Oh, okay, okay. Like a real small version. I got a buddy that ran some Outlaws, though. 
You right. ran over midgets? Yes. <laughs> you bet. They're easier to run people over pay, than full people, people pay good money for that. Right. I know. I hear it was a sport back in the gladiator days. <laughs> but no, man, that would be that'd be pretty fun to uh, rip around on a dirt track in a big old... You know what it reminds me of? Remember, uh, at, it wasn't Twisted Throttles, but it was an Ivy League event when they had that shit. It was like a oh, LS... shreddy. Yeah, the LS-powered VW Baja bug out there just yeah. like jumping. That thing just hit the jump in like first gear and flew like 80 feet. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That thing's bad. Uh, we we need to do a Mad Max Fury Road um, style flat track where you have motorbikes, V eight machines, monster trucks, the Yeti, Spamala, <laughs> like every, and, and then the Grom dudes out there, like everything from like Groms up to like a monster truck, just out there on the flat track, Mad Max style, going around a mile. That would be awesome. Yeah, you got you got to fill the slot, slot though, where it's a team where you'll get like one four by yeah. one one Grom, and those those are teams so they can work go. together. You know. Yeah. I see it's like a relay race. Yeah, I see something shaping up. Can can with all your hookups in the uh, the world of um, off roading and and, and com- competitions and stuff that you do, you think you could hook that up for us? Uh, at some so that's going to be that's that's going to be a south of the border event for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, no insurance in the United States will cover. Uh, I'm interested in those Brownells hookups. I got too. I got, I got the dry lake bed for it. El Diablo dry lake bed down go. in Baja is oh. ideal. Right, nice. I, you know, Biltwell. I was gonna say Biltwell's done the El Diablo run down there a couple times. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of Biltwell, I've seen you. That's so funny that we've like hit the same circles. Because are you sponsored by Biltwell? I swear, when I was looking up something motorcycle related, I saw you pop up in the feed, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, you know, that happened kind of organically on a Baja run, one of the early 750 pre runs where we were at a hostel on the coast and. Some dudes on Enduros rode up, and it was uh, Bill and Otto and the crew from Biltwell, and we shared dinner and a campfire, and then ended up becoming good friends. So I run like their gloves. Uh, they supply our helmets for competition, and uh, yeah, we have a rad relationship there. We're fortunate enough to get to go out and uh, hang with them when they like. Did you follow the Nora One Thousand where they did the free holy? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I'd seen yeah, that. So that. I, I'd seen that bike before, and then at the Californian a few weeks back, it was mm-hmm. they had it there, and I'd already seen it before, but I saw it up close again, and and it still had the yeah. dirt from Nora on it. I was like, that's so oh. rad. Can you believe they finished? I mean, they were shooting for just finishing, and they went out there and crushed it, and it was pretty incredible. We were fortunate enough to rendezvous with them at their last. Uh, kind of testing weekend before the Nora 1000. We got to kind of get the behind the scenes on all that. And really the dream that went into building that bike, it's talk about going all in on the wrong tool for the job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly what they did. Oh, you're telling me. I know, the, but it's like did it. flat tracking the hooligan bikes, right? Oh, absolutely. I can't yeah. believe those were CRF 250 forks on there too. I was like, what? I couldn't believe a 250 <laughs> fork was holding up that 883 uh, oh my god! But did they leave the it in eight eighty three? They didn't even make it a twelve hundred. It was a eighty. Yeah, nope, stock nope. every. They kept yeah. the stock frame and it, everything. They never. Yeah, they never even cracked the case on that thing. They wanted to just keep it pristine for what it was. It was like a uh, like a garage find type, really pristine bike. So they knew it was right, and they just like you were saying, it's the frame. So it's it's a legit eight eight three, and then they just went. Like nuts deep on uh, on the forks and the suspension. Yeah, I was gonna say they did mostly just suspension stuff. And the fuel tank, they might have got like a bigger tank for it. I think they do have a bigger tank. Nope, nope. They actually Uh, shrunk the tank because they had to pound in for the for the triple clamps to clear, just so they had some turning radius. 
they had something like a 50 or 60 mile range on that tank. So you can imagine oh. how hard the pits were working yeah. to do a thousand off-road miles. Actually, it was incredible. It was re- yeah. in- insane to think that they finished. I think you're right. Cause I just read the blog like last week and that's right. They had to, they had the pits like basically the guy could almost drive to the next one, the pit guy, because they were so close and like and beat them there or whatever. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's true. Yeah, yeah it was legit. like a one gallon tank or something, or a one point two gallon tank. Yeah, it is still the peanut ridiculous. Tank. Yeah, yeah, that bike looked yeah. pretty rad. Uh, that mm. would be. I mean, dude, I'm down. And I know you've been out here at Elsinore at the Overland Expo thing that they had out here. And I'm bummed I didn't mm-hmm. see you then. There was something else going on or I was out of town or whatever when that was happening because I know you said you were going to be there and I was going to go, go hook up with you there. But I'm telling you, dude, I got a really shitty bike just kicking it in my garage right now. I was looking for the parts I had around because I haven't fired it up in like over a year. No, over two years probably. It's just been sitting Damn. here rotting because the pieces just keep falling apart on it. And... uh I know Wiggs probably has some bike. He has a Speedway bike. He's a, he's got like a twelve mile range on that thing. But we could probably go down. Oh, there. that thing has like a three quarter of a mile range. <laughs> but we could do Baja three quarters of a mile at a time, dude. I'm telling you, like I'm re- I'm ready to do some crazy adventure shit this year. We could do we could do on the on the move fueling like the in air fueling that Air right. Force does, where we'll just we'll just drop a fuel fuel line for you from the back of the Jeep and let you. <laughs> You'd be attached, like water skiing almost, but with fuel. Yeah. Mine would high center over a curb. Yeah, that thing is pretty low. It's uh, it's about it's got about a half an inch ground clearance or something like that. When the bike's straight up and down, if it's got that, <laughs> yeah. But you're always turning left, so it, like it's right because it, there's no clearance on the right. So. You just have to ride a wheelie for most of the time. Yeah, dude. Uh, I really, I legit, and and it's funny. The Frijoli eight eighty three, the Yeti seven fifty, they both sound like motorcycles to me. Um, I this sounds like something that if you when you go down there again, uh, I want to, I kind of want to check it out and uh, yeah. make a crummy, you know, take a like you did with your Jeep, take a crummy motorcycle and uh, turn it into a potentially you know Baja bound vehicle. That'd be kind of fun to do. That'd be a rad project. Anything I could do on my end to help, you let me know. I know. I'd love to see you. I'd love to get, get your leg thrown over something that you put together just for Baja. Right. Be epic. Even if it's a donkey with a roll cage on it, you would do that for me? <laughs> as long as it's painted like a zebra. Right. Hey, speaking of donkeys painted like zebras, um, you were making like a bike rack for trucks or for hitches for a while, right? Are you still doing uh, that yeah. stuff? You know, I, I haven't. I built, uh, it was a Yeti built. Uh, motor carrier and the thing was bitching i just hadn't found time to to really bust out anything like that although i do get hit up on that quite often yeah no they were bitching and i was like what like why aren't you making a thousand of these and well it's because you're adventuring and you don't need to make a thousand of those anymore to uh to live off the land which is pretty awesome um one of the things that whenever i watch you guys and i'm and i'm listening to what you guys are doing and i'm seeing you just bust out some amazing stuff uh, in camp for dinner every night. I think of the old dudes that rode across this country back in like the twenties and like how they were eating like uh corn pone and hard tack and whatever water they could carry. And I'm like, dude, they were, they were doing the same sort of thing, but uh, not living quite the, you know, for being off road, you guys are living a luxurious mm-hmm. life and making it look easy, but I'm sure it's got its ups and downs. But, yeah, um, yeah, you know, we we earn it. We earn it. You know, like 
Yolo's, uh, Miss Holly's really good about, she's, she's an avid hunter, so she could provide that part of it. I love the open flame cook. So <laughs> we have all that, that kind of thing going on too. So it makes it, makes it fun. If she dove down under that mud with a knife in her mouth, I'm going to pass out of my chair right now. (laughs) She let the air out of the tires, locked the hubs, and came up with a catfish. With an ice. Yeah, with an ice kick is what she let the air out. Right. God. (laughs) You have MacGyver there on the road. What does, and then she markets, does all the marketing. That's awesome. Rad. Yeah, we're going to have to hook up when you're, when you're in town or when you're down or something. Yeah. You guys consider it done. That'd be fun. Um, right along the lines of, you know, we were earlier, we were talking about fabrication and, uh, you know, the stuff that you've been doing. I don't know. This is new, Chris. I didn't tell you cause I, I just looked through all my BMW press releases recently, but BMW has this new thing for their off-road bikes where the, uh, the R1200 GS, I believe is the one that they have the, in their picture, but in their top case, they have a little 3d printer. So when you're down, I don't know how many times you've busted a ball joint or something while you guys are out there on the road or like, you know, hit a tie rod end on a rock or whatever. But for bikes, it happens all the time. You drop it and it breaks off a clutch lever or a mirror post or, you know, even something like the shift lever breaks or the, you know, something like that happens. So they've got this friggin' 3D printer now that hooks into into the top case of the bike. And instead of waiting for the, you know, when you own a BMW, there's already like a magic drone that finds you and brings you your part anywhere or do the <laughs> delivers it in a helicopter because they're so damn expensive. But now they're to the point where they're like, we'll put this stuff on you and you print your part in, in, a, in a couple hours, you know, you're sitting there, maybe you set up camp and, you know, make dinner and it takes a few hours to print this part. And by the morning, you bolt it on and you're on your way. So <laughs> gone are the days of like, you know, sitting out there waiting for a buddy or some reinforcement or a chase truck or something to find you. Now, 3D printers are going to start coming on bikes. And they were actually, uh, I think it was BMW or, or another company like that that's actually done a 3D printing of the frame. Have you seen those? Like, they make, they've been no, making. that's incredible. Yeah. They've been doing, there's a bike company that has had that out for like a year now. But I've also seen for automotive components and all this stuff, they're, 3D printing in metal now, like it's some sort of carbon mm-hmm. uh, substrate that they're printing in. So you oh, can, they can do titanium 3D printing too. There you go. It's like a powdered metallurgy deal. Yeah, and well, so, something welcome happened. to the future. I know. I know. That's what, that's yeah. what I'm saying. No longer because there's parts on my bike that I break and I look online and they're like out of stock. Don't make it anymore. Uh, you're gonna have to change your bike over to like the. Yamaha XT250 and use like these components now and as soon as those are out of stock you're dead but now I'm looking at like dude you scan this thing in you print it out right there on the trail you know like this is changing the 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 overlanding and you know long distance travel game it made me think of um you know your fab skills I'm sure you guys don't carry a welder on you when you guys are like cruising across mm-hmm. occasionally country. yeah occasionally we do you know that'd be it'd be pretty epic I mean could you imagine being able to blast out, you know, some some part like that? Yeah, it's ridiculous. well, the funny thing is, like with three D printing, because my my buddy is a three D printer. Um, you can three D print like a, like a ball joint, like something that actuates mm-hmm. inside another part. You don't have to get like two separate pieces and put them together. You can three D print the whole movable unit, 
And uh, yeah, so even if it was like a Heim joint or something like that, you could just straight up 3D print one and not have to like, you know, yeah, like we're saying, stall your trip or get towed back to town and waste days and waste uh, time on a tow truck and downtime finding, uh, you know, a place to camp or whatever. You just like print it, set up camp where you are and the next morning, you know, it takes a few hours to print that stuff. But uh, yeah, the next morning, pop it out of the printer, bolt it on and get on your way. That'd be... (laughs) It's wild, kids, man. Yeah, kids don't realize how good they're going to be having it soon. So it's uh, uh, now. You, now you're dating yourself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 130 plus year old. I mean, now it's it's all making sense. It was so easy when I was a kid to get out your knife and whittle, whittle something out of an old tree that was nearby and just slap it in place. Everything was made out of wood back then. <laughs> when you were a kid, you you have to gather the ore so that you could forge the knife Listen, so that you could whittle it out of wood. Don't age me any more than we have to. <laughs> yeah, I was like, does anybody know where is there's a forge around here or a foundry? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag uh, old world problems. But um, no, yeah, it's that's pretty cool. That's, I might have to make the Yeti a knife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, Chris uh, does a lot of fab. I, I think I uh, off air mentioned to you that he makes knives. So if you need a. Oh, that's uh, rad. Yeah. I know that you could uh, probably make him a roll cage for his flat tracker. So if he were. <laughs> I like it. The, be rad like if, you, if you crashed and he the, he just made like a steel ball you just like roll until you hit until you get back on the tires yeah that'd be rad yeah no uh definitely if you guys are in town and doing some stuff i'm sure me and chris i mean who's gonna turn down like shooting a 50 cal and you know <laughs> stabbing a bear uh, yeah both of those sound fun yeah i i will legit consider it done yeah. consider it done next time we roll through we'll give you a a heads up if you if you're not following along on social media, right? Already, we'll we'll make a make a, a for sure stop in your area, and we'll swoop you up, and we'll, we'll at least put a, a day in in the dirt that like you're saying Azusa Canyon. Yeah, like that'd that. be fun. That'd be fun just to do that. Take a cooler out there and watch you guys get stuck in the mud. If Brownells will pay for you some um, <laughs> long rifle training too, I got a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I know somebody who might want to do some uh, shooting. No, I'm saying, like, I, I've got a buddy that teaches sniper. Oh, no kidding. Oh, no kidding. Right. Oh, that's rad. That's rad. Like, we'll have to link up like, off of this and, and talk the, some more. Taught at the SEAL school for a while. Oh, no kidding. Like, I, I taught was an instructor for four or five years there. Rad. I taught at a SEAL school once, but it was called uh, SeaWorld Janitor. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did that for a very brief time. Um, yeah, man, we're rolling. Uh, Toward the end of the show, do you guys want to? You guys want to wrap it up, Chris? An hour and a half. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that should be fine. Yeah, I mean, this is like going to be one of the shortest shows. It's so funny. A couple of weeks ago, Chris was like, "We don't have to go over two hours, right?" And then we just sat there and blabbed for over two hours. I was like, "It's coming up on two. I'm going to stop like, it." So we could have going to mess up. We got to drop it. Yeah. So we could have kept going for another at least two more hours. But um, yeah, I know it's got to be late where you are. It's getting late where we are. But uh, yeah, man, it's been fun catching up with you and uh, talking off-road and dirt and all the fun stuff that goes along with that. And uh, is there any, aside from Instagram, um, at at the Jeep called Yeti, where else can people find you if they want to get in touch or check out what you guys got to offer? Well, that's a good spot. Uh, You can find follow my partner on Instagram at the wild YOLO. Uh, YouTube is hustle and Rome. And then the website is yeti-built.com. So 
everything you need's on there. Nice. At least you thought ahead. I did uh, creative dash writing, and everybody looks for creative writing, like writing with a stupid <laughs> pen. So. Yeti that dash just, That just sorts everyone out, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Well, so. it's it an absolute pleasure to talk to you guys, and I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, wasting a perfectly good night with us. Yeah, and, thanks for being on. Uh, all right. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right. All right, so that was uh, our time with the Yeti. We are coming up on an hour and 40 minutes, so get yourself a little beverage while me and Wiggs stretch our arms. <sighs> Cheesy. This is Junk T from the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Every Monday, I look forward to sitting around and listening to four or five assholes, three beautiful women, and possibly a special guest. If that sounds like something that's right up your alley, check out the Motorcycles and Misfits Podcast coming to you every Monday from sunny Santa Cruz, California. everyone, this is Liza from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. And when I am getting a root canal or something else really just painful and shitty, I like to listen to the Creative Writing Podcast because the best way to fight pain is with pain. All right, and we're back. You guys are so lucky because you probably actually got up to take a nice break. Well, man, we can just sit here and look at each other for a few seconds. Um... So, man, I got it. Hey, you know what I have? Huh? I have a question from uh, Ask Wigs. Oh, my God. Let's do this Ask Wigs. It's actually a pretty funny question. It says, uh, hey, Wigs, been listening to you guys for a while, and I like what you do. I decided to become a Patreon and help you guys get to that $50 per month level. Wait a minute. Is this from Chris Geis? Uh, maybe. Oh, boy. And then the question is... What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> well, do, do you have that answer? First of all, you ride motorcycles, but that's what's wrong with all of us. Second of all, there's got to be another podcast that actually makes sense. <laughs> third of all, there's got to be something third wrong with you too. Yeah. That's all my answers. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I just got that Patreon uh, request today, and I did notice that he put just enough money to pop it over the $50 a month uh, mark. I can't believe we've barely even had Patreon for a month. Uh, dude, listen, we're already at the $50 a month mark. It's because the, the patrons are awesome and they believe in this show more than we believe in this show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do have to say, um, I said thanks for the, uh, thanks for the, you know your patronage and your money, of course, obviously, because I know even even a dollar a month, uh, twelve dollars a year doesn't sound like much, but it can be a lot to somebody. So I was like, "Yeah, man, stickers are on the way." And then I looked and I was like, "Oh wait, he pledged more than a dollar because I didn't <laughs> I didn't really look. I I, yeah. I was doing other stuff. Hashtag Parenthood. But um, when I got back and saw how much he pledged, I was like, "Oh crap! What do you know? Look at there." I'm he, just stoked that people listen to the show. To so to go above and beyond and like actually like help pay for the show that's pretty awesome yeah i know it's a, it's pretty amazing and i'm pretty stoked we have five patrons now and uh i am pretty stoked it actually is showing us at 47 of 50 dollars uh a month and i think he put in that 
it's funny. I see why he put in that extra money. Um, I do have to tell you that Patreon takes out a little money. They take a little bit of a cut, and you know they put up the service for free. So uh, when we reach the fifty dollar per month, it will help to offset some of the costs of the media and web hosting. And with your support, we can free up funds for other cool stuff instead of spending the already non-existent budget on uh, keeping the show on the web and on the air. So having said that. Uh, I see why he put it at $23 now. <laughs> and I have to say, after Patreon took their cut, you guys, I'm sorry, it went back down to $47. we are going to need a $3. <laughs> now, I can I can kick in 3 bucks. Come on. Um, so, yeah, we're 3 no, bucks. That's, that's still awesome. Yeah, I feel that's so That's a rad. lot, man. I know. You must really love the show. Something definitely is wrong with that one. Yeah. Chris, I know what's wrong with you, and it's... You, you know what's wrong with him is he obviously doesn't have enough motorcycle. If he's got that much money to spend on this podcast, yes. he needs another motorcycle. I was just going to say, the thing that's wrong with you, Chris, is that you're spending money on uh, on a podcast instead of spare parts and uh, fixer-uppers off of e- <laughs> eBay, which i actually been looking at a lot of fixer-uppers off eBay, and what you and I talked about last week, how the Midwest has some cheap bikes, uh, yeah, totally true. I was like, holy shit, look, I can get a Harley for 1200 bucks. Um, in Nebraska or Pennsylvania, uh, I looked I looked at a comparable bike out here, and it was uh, re- first bid 7000 reserve 10000 I was like, oh, my God, what a difference. What an $8,000 difference a few states can make. Yeah. About six states. Let me count that out. That's going on the creative writing map of America. I'm going to put six states away from uh, California. <laughs> so it's Pennsylvania. I don't know if that's true or not. But um, but yeah, it's incredible. Thank you guys so much. Thanks all the patrons for your support. Um, I know we have Paul and we have Lance and we have Corey and now we have Chris and then we have My Motorbike Obsession. So that's our five patrons. Um, if you do want to give to Patreon, our Patreon, uh, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing, all one word, no dashes, no confusing writing with writing, and uh, it's way easier than looking for the show on the web. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, dudes, for that. But uh, man, I'm stoked. Another Ask Wigs, two weeks in a row. I know. We're in a roll now. I almost. I was. I almost teared when up. When Liza was handing out emails, I was waiting on her to hand me one. I know. You're like, I can read. <laughs> I printed. I thought you were going to be gone this week, so I printed out that BMW article for you, like all 12 pages to read. And I was like, oh, he's not going to be here. Ah, screw it. But uh, yeah, I'm. I'm super stoked that Ask Wigs is finally uh, coming along. It's, it's taking m- off a little bit. Much easier to type than Creative Writing Podcast at gmail.com. It's just Ask Wigs. Speaking of Corey, I saw today he posted that. Uh, He's prepping a 50 for me. He's nice. going to make it an 88 so I can get hurt. <laughs> God. It's 88 cc's. It's not a Harley, not right. CIs. Not a, yeah, not a, an 883 or 83 CI. Yeah. That's rad. No, i That's got to be uh, about 11 cubic inches <laughs> or something like that. Uh, uh, closer to four. Oh my, cubic inches. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was doubling my math there. Yeah. Oh my God. Because a thousand is almost 60. Yeah. It's a right around 60. Oh my God. Yeah. You're going to be riding a four cubic inch. You're just going to need a big, get a big four on the side there. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's putting my number on it and everything for me. Yeah. Oh, listen, me and Yeti. It's going to look pro. When was it going to be 09 on there? Yeah. Oh my God. Because so Corey is a vinyl cutter. So he's like, no, he's like, I have a vinyl cutter. I'm just going to do it. I was like, Brad, you should have him make you a whole suit, a vinyl <laughs> suit. 
I know that's not probably going to wear vinyl. leather. Yeah, I know it's not the same vinyl. That was a joke, but uh, that'd be rad. That'd be rad just or to get latex. Yeah. Wait. Wrong, yeah. Wrong. Wrong, wrong activity. Wrong suit. <laughs> Different type of speed. Uh, yeah. Me and me and Yeti. Uh, oddly enough, when we worked at the shop, the guy that we were we were talking about, one of our old buddies that used to be an arena cross guy, um, built a rhythm track in his backyard. Probably still has it, and would take 50s to train people you can actually launch a 50 pretty good dude yeah, like for sure you can get hurt and they will they will hurt you really good too because so many people underestimate them oh yeah and they will just like they'll they'll hurt you and there's not a whole lot there's not the suspension if you do get yourself in a situation so you like just tend it's to, also like, easy to get off. like tangled up in them yeah because they're little like you're yeah. so close to the oh, ground yeah. and i've watched videos of Corey racing like they're not going slow yeah and it's you know, you're in such a tight parking lot, but like where he races, there's like, you're racing through like a parking lot with like metal poles oh, and shit in it still. Is it like autocross where they take a parking lot and make a track there? It's like oh, a mini supermoto track. Yeah, yeah they take a, it's a small parking lot. So they take a parking lot, set up cones. So it's like autocross supermoto. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Like at Qualcomm when they used to do supermoto, yeah. one wrong turn and you're into a light pole. <laughs> or, <laughs> or if you blew a corner, you just went way wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parking yeah, lot. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what was I gonna say? Oh, speaking of like uh, a buddy that used to race arena cross stuff, did you hear they're doing away with arena cross? It will be no longer. Uh, I don't know if they already raced the last one. If this year uh, has already happened, because I'm not an arena cross dude. But Wait, like the enduro arena cross stuff? Like arena cross, arena cross. It's done. Feld, I think, owned arena cross, and they're the same ones that owned the circus. And like the circus mm. folded, and now arena cross is gone. And I don't know if it's going to be up for sale. Which circus? Nitro Circus? No, oh, the just... uh, Barnum and Bailey's Circus. Oh, okay. Or Var- Circus Vargas. You know, there was supposed to be an arena cross at the one show this year, and it didn't happen. Huh. Like, that's uh, where they do, like, one with the lights on, then one with the lights off, and one with the lights on, right? Well, like, over the logs and the rocks and all that. That's Enduro Cross. Oh, that is Enduro Cross. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be. I mean, that would be sad too. That yeah. stuff is too popular internationally. I yeah, think, it is for sure. Arena cross is literally like supercross, but in a sport, it's even smaller than supercross. Yeah, yeah. Supercross. And I think it's um, how do I like the stepping stone almost to supercross? Yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. okay. where supercross is is in a stadium, arena cross is literally in an arena. You could do it in like a hockey arena oh, wow. or, or like a. Um, I saw it at sports arena one time, yeah. so like a music arena. Uh, and so it's a lot tighter and the jumps are like – it's so weird. It's more video gamey to me because the jumps are like vertical, higher but not and vertical. As long. Yeah, yeah, but not as long. So you're doing all the rhythm and all that stuff just like uh, almost exaggerated vertically though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently – I don't know if it was because of the lack of venues or just that whole – the whole failed company after, um, you know, they – the circus went away and everything else started to deteriorate. I think, I don't know if they've just like kind of lost uh, their motivation or lost like the resources or what, but that's the, that's the scary thing about kind of almost what happened to Moto America when we were talking about how like, what was a Daytona Motorsports Group took it over and like almost ruined it, you know? Yeah. And the AMA like couldn't do anything about it either because they didn't have the resources. It's really kind of sucky when that sort of stuff goes away and i know flat track is so simple it seems that it should never be a problem you know what i'm saying like flat track's one of those things where you just need an oval dirt oval wigs i know you you've been busy you've been up uh you've been jocking everybody up at um too busy yeah you've been you have been i have been busy you were you were i don't know did you stay up in santa cruz on uh sunday or yeah i ended up staying up there uh, sunday night rad then just drove back yesterday 
during the day. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And then uh, what uh, you see is Abe Lincoln beard, everybody that's watching on Instagram. <laughs> I have my mustache. Don't listen to him. <laughs> uh, so you you were busy up there, and you I, I figured you'd probably stay the night after you did the podcast up there. Um, what do you got coming up this week? So when this is released tomorrow, I'm leaving for Eastern Tennessee. I'm driving the Motul Sprinter van and um, going. It's like it's gonna be a little over, <laughs> a little over two thousand miles one way. I'm taking my bike and possibly five other bikes, maybe just four other bikes. Oh my god! Um, yeah, so there be three in the van or two in the van and three in the trailer. No. We're taking at least five, maybe six. So three and three, yeah. Um, And then we're racing at a race called the Smoky Mountain Harley-Davidson, whatever. They're putting on a a hooligan race out there. So it's a bitch in track. It looks like a three-eighths mile red bank clay. Um, Really like kind of my forte. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be some fast dudes there. I know JJ is going to go. Not sure who all else is going to make it, but it's going to be super cool. And really excited to go and drive out and <clears throat> visit some friends. I'm gonna um one of our listeners is uh <laughs> one of my buddies from middle school and high school and uh we're going uh we're Is gonna he a patron too? S- yes he is. Oh my god, so thank you we're so gonna much for supporting cruise. wigs. Yeah, right. For supporting wigs this time. We're gonna actually um I thought I was going to have room to take my duck. And he's like, you know what? If you don't, don't worry about it. He's like, I got bikes. So uh, we're going to take some bikes out through the mountains one day. on a, And then doing something with Harley for some kind of commercial on Trusty Rusty. And oh, then, that's going to be rad. Yeah. it's And the wheels should be back tomorrow. The paint should be done hopefully tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> we're going to get it cleaned up. I actually told Corey. So Corey used to like as like a side business in high school or I guess kind of a main business in high school or side from school or whatever. He used to like detail cars. Um, and you've seen all my stuff. It's never detailed. No. So I was like, Hey, uh, I mean that in the nicest way. What are you charging out to detail a motorcycle? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, it's going to be in a commercial and everything's going to be new, but the motor's going to look dirty as shit. So uh, we'll probably spend a little bit of the day on Wednesday, hopefully. Um, Out there with toothbrushes and Q-tips getting everything. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll clean it up a little bit. Um, Just trying to make it look kind of good for the the shoot because, you know, Harley's going to use about half of a second of little clips back and forth. So you won't ever see anything. And then I, I hate that, but I know what you're talking. I watch oh, dude, stuff, all I the time, it. dude. Yeah. It's like barely more than a photo. Yeah. Uh, and then we're doing a practice day all day Friday. So I'll be able to get the bike kind of tuned and, and geared and all that stuff. It was pinging on me on the mile. And uh, so I got some fatter uh, jets and then um, I'm going to, so I'll put the one size up in it and see how it feels. And I got another size up too, just in case. Is, is uh, Sacramento below sea level or something? Like, was there just like a hell of a lot of oxygen down there? You know, so what my dad said probably happened. So I went to a new car, but I went to an HSR 42 and the CVs are 38. So pinging is usually not necessarily like it being lean. It's more of a fuel problem, like yeah, not enough octane yeah, I was gonna say. and too much compression. So I'm hoping making it richer will help, but uh, I really hope I don't have to start running octane boost or race gas. But what I did to fix it at the mile, I said something to someone I was by, and then the guy put it next to me overheard, and he's like, I got some race fuel. I put in maybe half a gallon. And, uh, which is like fucking $10 worth or something. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but it stopped the pinging. 
Yeah. You know, I couldn't really tell any difference in power to speak of, but uh, it stopped the pinging, which was good. So that'll be, I got to get that kind of dialed in. Um, <clears throat> worst case scenario, I'll buy like a little bottle of Octane Boost at the gas yeah. station or, or at a auto parts store. But so that'll be Friday and Saturday. And then I'm going to head back Sunday morning. Shit. So, oh, wait, no, something special in the middle oh. or before I head back. So after the flat track on Saturday, uh, Corey's getting a 50 all dialed and it sounds like turned into an 88 CC bike. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to do, uh, we're going to race mini bikes out at deals gap resort. So, um, Ed, who was just watching <laughs> if he still is, um, Ed's going to be there. He loves watching stupid shit like that too. So <laughs> I don't know what everyone's schedule is going to be, but if anyone's out there, um, yeah, it's like right after. So the race supposed to be done at five. And practice at Deals Gap, I think, starts at like six or seven. Nice. So I'm hoping to get at least one practice session in instead of just dropping it in the heat. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll cruise across. You know, I've never ridden this bike. He's like, get out there and ride. Yeah, it's just, you know, I've ridden 50s and I've ridden Supermoto. So I'm like, well, fuck it. I'll go for yeah. it. So I'm just like, I'm excited. I think oh, it'll no. be. I think it'll be super fun um, to do something different, you know, and to go from literally one extreme, like probably the heaviest form of motorcycle racing in the world. Like unless you're racing, maybe Moto Jim is heavier because they all use police bikes, at least in the States. And then, um, to probably the lightest race bikes in the world. Yeah. Cause you don't get much lighter than an XR 50. Then you can pick up at least for it. adults. I mean, maybe the little <laughs> kids, uh, uh, Polinis are lighter, but that'd be about it. Yeah, so maybe a Cobras or whatever, but yeah, yeah. dude, uh, that's awesome. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, and everyone can stop giving me shit for riding a, a two fifty cause, uh, I'll never let you live that down. How's that? That'll be, that'll be my card to pull. Like Wiggs was on a 52 weeks ago. What are you talking about? That does sound whether it was, dude, I don't care if it was a stinking one CC or, uh, you know, a thousand, like that whole week sounds like it's going to be like so much fun. I'm excited uh, for it for sure. And my, my sister's going to come down with her husband and her kids. Uh, my dad's going to come down. Um, Corey's there. And then one of my other really good friends is about, he's about 45 minutes from the track or about 45 minutes from Knoxville. So maybe a little further from the track, but he's going to come out a little bit. Uh, he doesn't listen to the show. So I can announce I got a, uh, I got a knife for him and then a pretty sick cigar box guitar. So uh, that's, that's pretty stoked. Rad. Corey might have some stuff too, but. He might know some of it, but we won't tell him on the show. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, shit, man. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad you had fun at the mile. I'm glad you got the Carver interview that didn't end up uh, mattering because uh, he got, uh, you know, he got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Aluminum bolted. You know what, though? Here's my my take on it to kind of like go with Carver's point of view. Carver's like really into um, signs and shit happening for a reason. So maybe on Saturday, uh, you know, Springfield's his home track. So maybe that's what's meant to be, you know, when in front of your yeah. hometown. I put that stupid, my uh, the obstacle is the way, basically, yeah. quote in there. And I saw that he had put some other ones. So maybe he's yeah. onto something. Maybe this he, happened. He's very optimistic, you know. He's very um, positive and he, he's very about just like kind of the good karma thing, you know. And uh, you know, it is what it is, like. Was it a mistake? Yeah. You know, if you boil it down to the basic and uh, I asked his mechanic what happened and right away he's like, I put aluminum bolts in it. Didn't try to place the blame on anyone. Didn't try to do anything. Just owned up and we're going to fix it. Next week we're going to go racing. Yeah. And that, to me, that's the best way to go racing. Like, 
people mess up, you know, and every week is a different event. Every week's a different match. Every week's a different race. So you, you know, you good or bad and, you know, you're against a lot of guys that are on top of their game. So he showed a wheel and he showed everyone that he could make the pass on the mile and, uh, showing that good things are to come. So, you know, mechanicals are mechanicals and, I gotta say it. He hasn't had a lot of those in the last couple of years. So. I know. Yeah, Dutchwood. I know. And we really we haven't covered flat track uh, for the past few weeks, so maybe we can do like a triple header the next what? time we get together. So that'll be rad. Can we spoil it and at least see who won the singles? I know we don't. We have like two minutes left, and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna run our show out. Yeah. Kobe Carlisle finally with the win. I know. That Just was... by like half a wheel, it was tight. That's yeah. Three of them across yeah. the line. At Three, not even two. Time. Yeah. But congrats to him. I know uh, – I don't mean to say finally like about time. I mean the, well, the kid won injured. a championship. He was you know injured. what I mean? And yeah. I think, he said, I think he even said he finally felt better, and it showed. Yeah. But, totally you know, showed. he's wanted it for a while. I think the championship's always your ultimate goal, but to not win a race is a bummer. So to go out and win a mile as your first race is huge. So congrats to him, dude. <laughs> Rad. All right. Hey, Wiggs, you got any good sign-offs? <laughs> And just like Yeti, I cut wigs off, too. That's how I roll, folks. Ever come on the show, get ready to get your ass cut off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show this week. Uh, I'd like to thank our guests, our special guests, uh, the Jeep called Yeti. Uh, check them out on Instagram. Like I said, check out yeti-built.com. Um, I will put all the links in the show notes and uh, all the links that he sent to me so you can go check them out and see the cool stuff they're doing i know a lot of you guys that ride also wheel and also you know maybe off-road a little bit so um yeah if you get a chance and you run across them check them out so i know they're always they're always hooking up with people all across the country uh also thanks wigs good luck out there on the road uh by the time this comes out you're already on the road or you're leaving tomorrow so uh yeah about that cigar box guitar i wrapped it loosely do not slice with a box cutter or when you're crazy field initiatives knives. So check out wigs at wig zero nine on Instagram or check out field initiative knives on Instagram and uh, check out creative writing podcast at gmail.com. Send us your social slam stories at slam at creative writing.com. Uh, special notice uh, to the patrons of the show. Uh, everybody that pledged five bucks or uh, actually, ten bucks or more. Your CDs and uh, are going to be shipping out this weekend. Uh, of course, the the stickers and everything came just in time for uh, Memorial Day weekend. So everybody have a good, safe three day weekend. Uh, enjoy all the great stuff going on. Uh, like this week, I know the SoCal Swap Meet's going on. There's some racing going on on the East Coast, in the middle of the coast, and on the West Coast. Did you know the middle of the country is the mid middle coast? <laughs> It's equidistant to either coast, so it's the middle coast. Uh, That's going on, Creative Writing's Map of America. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Um, Big shout-out to the Milwaukee uh, Rivets, with all the Iron Angels, really, and uh, the Build Moto Girls that had their uh, bike in the show this week. And uh, awesome sauce, I want to say, WIR Top 10. Racing went off without a hitch, even though we talked about it right before it happened. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go back and listen to the old shows. And uh, yeah, we're out of here. Peace, grease, and say hi to your niece, Clarice. Oh, God.
I made way more noise than it should have. <laughs> I know. I paused because I knew how to edit yeah. that out. That's good. Um, yeah. Oops, let me stop this. And we're back, everybody. And uh, we got Yeti on the line with us still. We might uh, jump back. This time, the three of us on this time machine got a little old. So during the break, uh, (laughs) we got off and took a quick... I might edit that out. Let me see what... A minute, one minute. And I two. see that's got to offend someone. <laughs> I know. I'll edit that out. So yeah, we got off our time machine, jumped in this in the fresh salt water. How's that? Is that a little better? Jumped in the shower. I'll edit all this shit out. God damn it. Get out of this uh, crazy town. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. Get out of this crazy town. <laughs>